Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Clear Skies, our Star Trek Adventures live play here on Q Times. I'm here with the Stream Punks. How y'all doing today? How's uh, Stream Punks? We've been, before we went live today, we've been having a lot of conversations about mental health and anxiety and stuff like that. And one of the reasons why we're actually starting a few minutes late is because we ended up starting to kind of fall into a, a check in with each other. It seems like this has been a rough week. Uh, quarantine has been going on for. 300 years now and uh, as a result of that it's always good to check in especially because I get to see y'all once a week well some of y'all only once a week I only get to see y'all to do this game and it's good to check in and like I'm not the only one that's been uh, getting my ass kicked by me lately <laughs> I have a black belt in Eric Fu there's no question about that and I beat the crap out of myself all the time um, and it's true but... you shouldn't do that Eric I know I know it's, my it's true it's true but let's just all take a moment to appreciate Sam's glorious hair. Because I think everyone in chat is already. And Yes, it's true. And on I the backdrop like, of that space, it just looks like a big pink sun, and it's amazing. I know. I feel like it, Sam is our own little nebula. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so There's I, the giggle. <laughs> it's not fair to do this two weeks in a row. You know that, right? <laughs> Gina will get it out of you. Um, I did none of that. That was all Bonnie. <laughs> I just always listen for it when the compliments start a coming in. There's, <laughs> so, the, there's that, there's the face hide, then, then you get a small <laughs> giggle, and then there's the anger eyebrows that are also accompanied with a scrunchy nose. Told you, told you Gina would do it. <laughs> I didn't get to be here for the birthday embarrassment, so this is my time. It's true. It's Gina's time. It's just the title. The library is open for Gina. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> my background here. Um, so that is a perfect note to go in on the fact that uh, it's so important to support each other and to support uh, your fellow players at the table, to support your friends, but to also be aware that you need support. Um, that's super part of that equation. So I just wanted to point at it tonight because I really appreciate as a gaming group that we do this and I wanted everybody to know that we do this and I hope that you will all take some time to do it as well. Um, Self-care is super important and this is not easy right now. So that being said, um, let's go ahead and ask around the table, do we have any announcements tonight? Anybody have any announcements? Yes, Aki. Just shows how well I pay attention to the own shit that I do. Um, I have a Roll20 Con game coming up this Friday. I believe it starts at 2 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, and we will be playing some Pathfinder. Um, and it's going to be really cool because I believe my uh, my fellow group, uh, Gabe and uh, Dave, are going to be co-GMing, which will be really cool to watch. Yeah, it's going to be rad. And right before that, uh, they're like Gabe is going to be building our dungeon in his show tabletop uh, table talk so it's going to be like a whole thing so come check me out over on uh, roll 20 twitch uh, for roll 20 con on Friday it should be a lot of fun and I get to go back to Pathfinder and I'm very happy I yeah. miss Pathfinder so much um, I, miss uh, I miss Jason too he's a good guy and he's I miss my omelet tall. Jason, Jason is almost as tall as B-Dave, I would say. Jason's about as tall Jason's as Jason's very tall. He, he's a big dude. Jason's a big is. man. And the sweetest guy. 
but yes, I'm <sighs> I'm just reaching over to my omelet right now. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, so yes, Roll20 Con, and then obviously uh, we had our finale of Tales from the Loop, and it came from the Loop last Wednesday, but we're doing a Q&A talkback this Wednesday at, um, God, what time? Six, six o'clock p.m. On Rule of so, Lore? Uh, yes, over on Rule of Lore, um, and so it's a chance to come and ask us questions, we'll ask each other questions, and then of course I'm playing a werewolf on Saturdays uh, every Saturday night at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have two more episodes left with our finale happening on Halloween, and it is so much fun being right werewolf. On. Holy shit, it's fun. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I miss my Fianna tribe. I miss my Fianna's. What's up, Bonnie Gordon? You look like you want to say something. Saturdays on the Dragons and Things Twitch channel is another finder, a star finder, uh, things in space. It's a lot of fun. And then Wednesdays right here on Q Times. Uh, we just had our first episode of Denver by Night this past Wednesday. And so our second episode will be this Wednesday, 5.30 to 7.30. If you want to if you think my, my, my accent on this show is crazy, uh, wait to hear me talk like I'm from the old wild, wild west and, you know, drink blood on occasion. In the game, That's right? the word fangs. Gotcha. <laughs> That's great. All right. Anybody else have anything they'd like to announce? All right. Then the last thing I would just want to pitch in is you may have heard some buzz going around our social media platforms. But yes, the Stream Punks are going to be doing a spy game one shot that is going to be divided into two. We'll have more updates on that as it's coming in. We're just coordinating, getting everybody together and finding the right day to do it. We did shoot the B-Day Vampire the Masquerade one shot where we all played a Chantry of Tremere, and it was a ton of fun. And Jake, if I'm not mistaken, that is going to be happening. That's going to be going up this Friday. Is that correct? Jake's that That is correct. It will be going up at 6 p.m. on Friday. Yeah. So if you want to watch us play some blood drinkers, or as a, as a guru by heart would say, some leeches, uh, if you want to watch us play a bunch of leeches, uh, and, and corrupted aspects of the worm, please tune in to uh, Friday and uh, it's going to be good. Um, I think that's it for us for now. So we can go ahead and jump into now. Yes, Sam. Yes. May, may I help you? Uh, yes. If I may have the floor uh, to say, uh, catch Gina on power play this weekend. I'm really excited. She's going to be guesting and I didn't even know. And then I knew and I'm very excited, uh, but you can catch her right now because we're going to go with space. Mm. <laughs> I think with that, we're going to jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
And welcome back to the game after Sam's birthday. We're going to be jumping into <laughs> our episode now. When we last left off, um, the crew of the USS Ross was currently undergoing a refit. The USS Ross was receiving a major upgrade to her sensor suite. After petitioning Starfleet, Admiral April Hebert got clearance to upgrade the USS Ross sensor suite to high-resolution starship sensors, which is typically found on science vessels, particularly deep space exploration science vessels. Most notably, it is almost always a standard uh, part of the chassis of a Intrepid-class starship that would be doing deep space assignments. The USS Ross, having been doing more and more functioning, you know, do more and more assignments here in the Shackleton Expanse, is being upgraded so that it can better detail and chart the subspace anomalies that appear and disappear out here in the Shackleton Expanse, making this a very tricky place to do some space exploration. The anomalies, these eddies, these subspace eddies as they are, are, if you all remember, to give a quick reminder to Ox crew and to the crew of the Ross here, the eddies will appear and disappear. It is a trait of the Shackleton Expanse. You cannot get rid of it. The unfortunate side effect of running into these eddies is they tend to burn out your shields. The Essentially, the shield emitters on your ship can be permanently damaged and are irreplaceable unless taken back to a star, a star base, which means it can permanently drop the rating of your shields down until they're whittled to nothing. In the meantime, they also, it's like running over speed bumps at high speed, it's not fun. So every now and then the Ross has encountered, <laughs> the wheeler's like, excuse me, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so the- also we cannot forget that these eddies, they show up and they could be cloaked ships. That's how cloaked ships appear on our sensors. So any one of them yes, could indeed. surprise be a ship. <laughs> so um, with the upgrades coming to the USS Ross, y'all will be able to anticipate running into these eddies and it shouldn't be as much of a problem. You can still anticipate a bumpy ride through Shackleton. This is the frontier. This is the dangerous edges of space that has hardly been explored by any major government. So you are running into the wilderness of space, essentially. And it comes with a lot of bumps. But the Ross is a big girl. She's a powerful girl. And now she's got a hell of a telescope on her. Those high-resolution sensors are going to really help you spot these eddies and be able to identify them before you run, them, uh, run into them. Not always, but it's going to raise your chances significantly. However, in order to upgrade the Ross, that's required a huge engineering team to crawl up into the saucer section into the main course of the phaser array and uncouple a bunch of the plasma power conduits so they can be recoupled into the new sensor suite that's being installed while the old one is being removed. This is a big undertaking. To not be done in a shipyard means that a lot of the engineering crew has to crawl into the guts of the ship, which a lot of them are loving. It's hard work, but it's you're on your stomach, you're crawling into spaces, you are doing all the hard work. You are, you, are, you are a classic mechanic right now, squeezing into small, small places to work with incredible technologies and upgrade the ship. You're basically taking part in the next iteration of the USS Ross. And there's not a single person that's on the, isn't on this engineering team that's not just thrilled to be working and doing this kind of work, particularly your, your ensign, Chief Tech. Dari. Dari is over the moon. And as it turns out, Dr. Maroney is not turned out to be quite the pain in the ass that you thought he was going to be. Sure, he likes to throw his weight around a little bit, but he has been, for the most part, 
doing the job that he said he was going to do for you, Chief. He has been implementing and following orders. You do notice that a lot of people are going to him for questions. Mm. Half the time, he answers them if they're simple, straightforward questions about the ship. But if it's anything to do with the task, he immediately refers them to your liaison, Dari, and says, go talk to Dari. And if Dari wants to send you to tech, she will. Mm. That's how the chain of command has been going. It has caused things to slow down a little bit. But one of the things that you've noticed is that you have started becoming vaguely aware as the command structure of this refit is being set up. It's starting to really click with you how how much Dr. Moroni has kind of underplayed how much he knows this ship. He knows every bolt, every plate, every insignia. He knows every power conduit. He knows, he knows the designation of just about any time he's going through the Jeffries tubes. He knows exactly which designation and serial number is on the hoverboards that y'all use to fly down the Jeffrey tubes for quickness. He is astonishingly well-versed, but occasionally he has come across some modifications that y'all have made along the way that he asks about and wants a full report on when everything's calmed down. Okay. Not as a punitive thing, but like, really? Tell me how you fixed that. I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would seem that the Ross is going through getting a makeover, mm-hmm. as it were. She's getting new contact lenses, and it's going to work out great. She's getting Lasix. <laughs> and <clears throat> as it were, things on Narendra Station have been relatively quiet, except for under the surface, that's not so true. There is a rising tension right now in the embassies here at Narendra Station. There's also the potential for a plot to uncover corruption at the highest level of the Klingon command here at Narendra Station. There is an award that our own Dr. McCrell was nominated for. And have you, now Bonnie, I want you to clarify me for me before we jump right into the narrative here. But you told me you were gonna do a certain thing regarding that award. Have you done that thing? Has that happened? Um. I was undecided on whether or I do you want to play that out. Maybe I'm undecided okay. about it. I'll, we'll talk. I'm we have a counselor back on our ship. So if you want to play out whether or not you want to do this, just keep in mind that counselor Exio can and will keep things patient. There is a, a doctor patient privilege here. So yes, there is. But, but behind the conflict and the refits and the plot and everything and the things that are going on with the embassy and the award, there's also a startling, painful discovery that was made rather randomly coming in where we last left off. Chief Tech Lenatus has unexpectedly been, has received a message from Starfleet Command letting him know the remains of his brother Reiku were found on the battlefields as part of the reclamation project that is taking place, uh, the post-Dominion War reclamation project. His remains were found in what was a downed shuttlecraft. This was very unexpected, and it was happening just as Tech was getting into his groove, setting up all the team, uh, coordinating all the teams for the USS Ross for the, the refit. And it led to a dramatic moment in which Tech confronted McCrell 
who was with Reiku in his final moments and asked to know a little more detail about what happened because there were things in this report that he had known about. He didn't know about the shuttle and the, the escape on the shuttle. McCrell assured Teclanatus that Reiku was trying to get medical supplies out and that he took the shuttle and the shuttle was destroyed in flight. And right before we left off last game, Tech made a roll, a contested roll with McCrell and beat McCrell by tying her. And it was revealed McCrell was lying. She was not telling the truth. And every bone in her body, every bone in Tech's body said that she is holding something back. She's not telling you everything. We are going to pick this game up right where we left off in that moment mm -hmm. with McCrell standing in front of you, having delivered this information and you gazing at her chief. She's composed herself calmly, but McCrell's good at that. McCrell's good at being in intense situations where life and death is on the line and she holds her cool all the time. But you've the problem here is, unlike her patients and unlike the people that she works with in the Ross, you've known McCrell for a long time and you're starting to realize as she says this to you, you've picked up on a tell or two. She's talking to you the way she's talking to a patient. She doesn't want to know it's serious. You can see the signs. You don't know what it is that she's hiding but she's not telling you everything. They're asking me what they should do with the remains. Are you... Are you certain that Reiku hasn't done anything that would be unbecoming of a Starfleet officer? Before I proceed, my family... My family would not be able to take any embarrassment, and so I would rather know now and have it publicly released. Chief Tech, in regards to your brother and his reputation, you will have nothing to worry about. And why am I worried, Doctor? There are so many questions. I don't... I never found out what happened at the end. The war was a very difficult time for all of us, and we all had very conflicted feelings, your brother included. What did he do? He was killed in battle. Who was he fighting? He just got stuck in the crosshairs. It happened all the time. He promised me that he would stay safe. He was supposed to be out of the fire. He was helping people. Why would someone shoot at him? I just, it doesn't make any sense. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time and flying the shuttle where he shouldn't. But why? He loved Starfleet. He loved the rules and the regulations. He loved order and, and following, obeying. He wouldn't go off course. That's not the brother that I knew. There had to be a reason. When we discovered that settlement, we were not expecting to find those sick children. 
and and women and we had to change the plan to we what? needed more help he left to get it he was getting backup yes it there was too many sick for both me and him to just handle alone But if you were the lead on the mission, why didn't you take the shuttle? Because I was the more skilled doctor. And some of the children were dying. The letter I received said that they found the remains of Reku. He was on the planet Caritas Four. Should I have them recover them and shipped to my family? You and your family deserve peace and closure. We already your had- brother, Your brother loved you very much. And I'm glad that they did find his remains. Doctor, I don't know what the point is then of reopening this wound for everyone. Nothing has changed. Nothing was revealed. They're just remains that were found. We've already said goodbye. I should not tell my family. I should just take care of this. That is up to you. He is your brother. If you feel like your family has already had the closure and have said their goodbyes, then there's nothing more to say. Well, doctor, they... They didn't get the same chance that I did to talk to you. They might ask questions that I wouldn't know. I think... I just need some time. I... I need to get back to work on the refit. If there's anything that you remember or feel like I should know, my calm is available. Thank you, Chief. And I'll walk out. And again, I am very sorry for your loss. Sometimes I wish I could just keep things in the past. The past always has I'm a way. Gone. I'm gone. Oh. <laughs> and then as he leaves, I'm just going to say, of haunting us. <laughs> as he leaves. As you move back over to your team, Chief Tech, and take up a data pad, just trying to force yourself to be busy. Mm. Kind of the, that instinct to just, just grab something and put it in front of your face, and maybe that's how you can start getting your mind focused again. You cannot shake the feeling. Even though that was a pacifying conversation, it still holds because of the role. Mm -hmm. She is holding something back. She is not telling you the truth. I'm going to uh, go to my quarters and go to my computer station and start to do some research on my own and see if I can find anything. You uh, set down the data pad and pivot and start beelining out of the engine room. And Insandari watches you walk by and goes, Chief? But says it kind of meekly as to not stop you but expresses concern as she watches you leave. She glances back at the rest of the at the rest of the engineering team, 
who doesn't seem to have noticed that you've left yet. And when you're at the turbo lift doors uh, close, she straightens her uniform and moves over to where you were standing and starts embarking out basically the last thing she heard you say. Okay, so the chief uh, said we're going to need to get started here first. So why don't we send two teams over to section C of the saucer section? And I want to get at least one team on deck four to observe what's going on in the deck below them. And that's what you hear as the, sh the door closes. And moments later, you exit the, the turbo lift. Now, the Ross is a ghost town right now. Mm -hmm. As I described before, most of the crew has disembarked onto Narendra Station. And because y'all are at stations keeping and the engines have officially been taken off, all main power systems are down except for necessary power. So there's none of that comforting hum that is always present, that low rumble that is the Ross is awake and alive. She's sleeping right now. Mm -hmm. So stepping out of the turbo lift is that eerie quiet as you move down this long hallway of this flying city among the stars until you reach your quarters. The doors slide open and stepping in as they close, somehow it just feels like you're even more alone now. Like you have your privacy mm -hmm. stepping into your quarters. To enhance that too, as I step over to my desk, I open up my display and I uh, activate text encryption. Uh, okay. So this is sort of a, a wall around what I'm looking at. Okay. And Takes a few I'm moments. Gonna... You, as the hologram appears in front of you, and you just enter in a couple of uh, digits into the, your tech encryption, and you see the hologram goes from the standard sort of light blue to a dark blue. Mm -hmm. indicating that this 3D graphic, this 3D this projection in front of you is now encrypted and secure. Dark mode. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, you went incognito on yeah. Google. Uh, and then I'm going to see if I can find any sort of classified information about Caritas 4 in regards to the Dominion War and the Station Regulinatus to sort of specify the parameters. It's always the library bards. Have you noticed that? What? I don't know what you're talking in about. In Shield of Tomorrow, it was <laughs> it, it was Lark. Wow. <laughs> in Clear Skies, <laughs> it's tech. An engineer's got an engineer. <laughs> All right. So okay. you're gonna try to you're gonna try to get into classified Federation documents on Caritas 4. If there are any. Okay. Um We'll set this as, hmm, this is gonna be a control, well, let me double check. I have the specific parameters of like, I have the star date um, and everything yeah. like that. Uh, so why don't we do this? I'm gonna make this a control, well, honestly, this would be a control security check. Okay. Also, I'll give you, this is a character point. Tech has uh -huh. never done this before about his brother. He's not. He always wanted that sort of veil. Yeah, of I kind of figured. Because uh, so this, this was a breaking point. This is the first time that Tex ever gone digging. Mm -hmm. So the difficulty to find anything is two. Okay. So go ahead. go ahead. It's a control, control security. security check. I'm sorry. Weird, weird question. Does the Ross assist with this? Yes, the Ross does assist with this. Yeah. The Ross is. Uh, this is going to be a computer's uh, computer security check. No, I'm sorry, computer's command check for the Ross. Cool. Let's hopefully get some momentum. I mean, it feels like crimes. So oh. the Ross is the I... kind of mischief I think the Ross is about. <laughs> As a ship. Successes, but they're they are at the number. <laughs> oh, nice. 
So three total. So gain of momentum. Yay. So of course, because you have the start date now and you have the planet, you knew you had always known a long time ago, you'd been told what planet it was on, but you had kind of just tossed that away. Yeah. Hearing it again is bringing back the memories of when your family was notified of the loss of your brother. You were on duty, if I remember correctly. Were mm -hmm. you serving already? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, as a, 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 an enlisted officer. Right. Okay. You do see that basic information come up. Essentially, it's a casualties list mm -hmm. that comes up. And according to this, it's being updated daily because that is the grim work that is being done after the Dominion War, even six years after the Dominion War. However, it is it is slowed significantly. Your brother's name was added to the list about four weeks ago, and he was identified, and you were contacted as soon as possible from what you can gather in the dates. Now, you can open up to find out the nature of his death that's easy enough to do, but you immediately run into a restricted firewall. It's not classified, but this is restricted information. Ooh, let's do it. Let's get in. Okay. This is like autopsy style information. Uh, yeah. So you're trying to breach an encrypted Federation database. <laughs> is it encrypted from family could i use uh no it's it's just restricted information that the federation has it's not classified you don't need necessarily like a high security clearance to have access to this information uh exio could look this up for you no problem captain can look to you but if you're going to gain access to this yourself uh -huh. you're basically going to have to go around their login protocols so this, you can do that a step to go further in or is this sort of where like no this is think of it like breaking into medical files uh-huh it's restricted. It's not classified. It's not easy to get into it either. But once you open that up, it's going to tell you everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do it. It'll tell you everything. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to also spend... check your check your messages, Eric. FYI. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one of the one of the one of the unique things about uh, about live streaming and doing this remote is we have this really great messaging system. <laughs> um, Interesting question. While this is happening, while he's breaking in, um, technically, whose database does this? Is this pinging? Is this McCrell's medical file database? Is this, is this like a shared database between all medical staff personnel, such as Exio and like just just so we know who's or is this just general ship medical info? Like, I just want to know what section of the ship's uh, sort of memory base this is being broken into. This is actually connecting with Starbase. This is connecting with Starfleet Command's database, so the Starbase would okay. have an updated version of this. Oh, so, so he's breaking into Narendra's. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. The exact, yeah. That's why I was like, where is this? Is this in the ship? Is this on the station? Is this... Yeah. Okay, cool. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. just... You're neat. <laughs> so uh, here's what's going to happen now. <laughs> here's what's going to Here's what's going to happen now. Uh, I'm going to spend four threat and raise the complication range all the way up by five. So if you roll a 16 or better, you're going to get a complication. Okay. Okay. The difficulty of this is four. Ah, okay. All right. So <laughs> one, I'm going to burn a determination. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to use the value technology makes life better. Okay. Would that apply? 
I would say borderline. Okay. I, I'm just because I, it's really that's really up to your interpretation. Is this about to make Chief Tech's life better? Well, if everything goes according to plan, <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. So that's two auto successes. Okay. Boom. Boom. Uh, and then I'd like to spend one of the moment, the one momentum for cautious. Okay. And gain an extra die. Gain an extra die. And, and use ship as well. And this okay. is computer's command again. Yep. Okay. So I do have two successes. That hits the target number. And I also have a complication. Excellent. <laughs> and and one you get. Okay, so you're gonna get one momentum. Huh? Because you had a total of five successes. So one momentum goes back into the pool. <laughs> All right. Oh no. So again, I just want to state that we have gone into the era of Star Trek where 3D holographic displays are starting to become common sights on starships. You're starting to see that early Picard level era technology being re-implemented on board starships. So you are moving around uh, an interactive computer protocol system right in front of you. Mm -hmm. So tech, as you kind of maneuver this a little bit, sliding it around, you get to the you get to the firewall essentially, and there's this moment of anxiety of like, you about to do this because this could cost you if you get caught. Mm -hmm. This could cost you big time. I have to. <clears throat> you start entering your codes, and you start applying the skills that you've learned when it comes to getting around ship systems that you need to gain access to. Because sometimes repairs need to happen and you don't necessarily have full access. Even though as chief engineer, you do technically, but it's always good to be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> um, you fiddle with the code and immediately gain access. You see it go switch to a purple color in front of you accessing these restricted files as an anonymous viewer. And it immediately opens up Reku's file. You see your brother's face. He is in his uniform with that proud look on his face. Everything that you described to McCrell, 100%. You're looking at a Bolian who loved being Starfleet. Everything about him loved being Starfleet. He signed up not knowing, like so many others who put on the, the patch, not knowing that the dreams of space exploration were going to be taken from him and instead they were going to be thrown into war. This was an image that was taken shortly after he graduated Starfleet Academy when he was setting off for what he thought was going to be a tour of the galaxy where he was going to help heal people. And that's when you see your eyes kind of filter down and see underneath killed in action. Gives the star date, gives the planet, um, and you see I, uh, reports of the action that took place, and you see Dr. McCrell's name mm -hmm. as the primary eyewitness report. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you click it, it opens up. It's not... Basically, what you get from this, I'm going to have you roll an insight command check. Heck. <laughs> and the difficulty is going to be three. Ah. Insight this command? Researching restricted information. Okay. Is difficulty three. Momentum. Okay. 
Uh, would I, uh, okay. Would I be able to use cautious engineering to buy an, uh, not on a command no. check, but you just yeah. buy a normal die and you don't have the reroll ability. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do that to buy one because I need three successes, right? Yeah. And the Ross is helping or no, this is just on me. So I need to nail This it. is just on you. Oh, Oh, no. Well, I did get a crit, so two successes, but the other two are failures. Okay. It, the complication range isn't higher now, no. right? complication okay. range is normal. Yeah, just two successes. So the way I'm going to interpret this is as you're reading it, something is occurring to you. You start getting this feeling as you're reading McCrell's account because the account in the file is exactly the one she told you in engineering just now. Which causes a little bit of this rising emotion in you, like you, because when you talk to her in engineering, you know she wasn't telling you the truth, it, and here it is on a file now too. You have no way of proving that, mm. but your gut is telling you. And halfway through, what you're reading is you're starting to come to the conclusion, like you're reading the words, and the thing that's starting to occur to you is that word for word, and then you're locked out. You just see it suddenly oh, go red, oh, I and panic. it's an unauthorized Close. access. Close it all, Look, exit, exit, exit. You exit, that's your complication. You see your your uh, numbers, your serial number as a chief of the starship, register un underneath where it says unauthorized access detected. Cool, good. And seconds later, there's a chirping sound in your quarters. Okay. Uh I turn everything off. Commit, uh, <laughs> you just like rapidly shutting everything kind of like looking around, just like, uh, uh, close that up, move aside. Um, and uh, it's actually a calm, oh, a calm chirp. Yeah, it's coming Oh, through. I mean, go, go for tech. Come into my communications. Okay. You say, oh, um, uh, go for tech. <laughs> Chief tech. This is Commander Sivek of Narendra Station. Oh, hi, Commander Saivak. What can I do for you? You can report to my office immediately before I have security come and escort you off the USS Ross and throw you in the brig. Oh, sure, that won't be necessary. I'm right up. I'm on my way. Here I go. Okay, goodbye. Tech out. Here I come to your office. Goodbye. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I'll book it. Okay. You straighten <laughs> your uniform, get up, and leave your quarters heading straight down uh, your heart's racing as you're totally. entering the transporter room. Um, as you step into the transporter room, it's completely empty and dark. And you oh. realize <laughs> you need to go down two more decks <laughs> before you get <laughs> to the transporter room. It's, or no, I'm sorry. You need to go down to, you're, on you're at transporter room one right now. You need to be down at transporter room five, which is on deck 21. You're on deck 12 right now. So you just kind of like, oh, um, it's a long road getting from Wait. there to here. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? Take the Jeffrey's tube slide. Because <laughs> I okay. forgot about that. <laughs> okay. You know, your 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 snappiness is going to is being noted. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um Commander Exio. During this whole time that that the Ross has been docked at Narendra Station. Yes. The, Auxiliary crew has been taking this as an opportunity to see their counselor. 
there's been a lot of people who have been booking time with you now that they are like, oh, well, I mean, it's not really shore leave. I, I'll book some time with uh, Counselor Exio. There's been a handful of particular triggers on board this ship the last few months. That doesn't surprise me. So, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> there's been a lot of, we, we did spy stuff, you know, the, the, and most of our crew knows that, and they believe they're out of war, and that was inevitable. Yes. Also, Exio, inevitably, you are running into the incredibly always complicated, never binary, never black and white spectrum of biological relationships. People who have come back to Narendra Station and realize, oh, we were dating, but I don't feel the same way anymore. It's been, it's been a while. Oh. Things like that. You're running into all of the counseling sessions of like human and alien dynamic of people like re-engaging with each other or, you know, we might, I don't know, do I ask them out because we might, could, we could be out in deep space again for another six months and, the, and, and she's Klingon. Like, I don't know how that would go. <laughs> you know, things like that. Y'all are, you're running into I, all well, of these. That's wonderful. Uh, I am yeah. also a certified sex therapist, so this is okay. Yes, Real quick, I just wanted to say the phaser has a database for a brain because there's a lot of species involved. Yes, go ahead, Xander. Yes, sorry. I just wanted to say the phaser arrays are the only thing decoupling. That's all. Okay, bye. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, the lack of of counseling sessions that you've been able to get in in the past couple of months, you're getting it all in now. It's all coming in now. People are going to see the counselor. And you've it's gotten a, to know the ox crew and the dynamics of the ox crew uh, better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I gotta tell you, it's a it's lovely. <laughs> there there there's a bathhouse for a reason. There is mm -hmm. counseling sessions available. There is, um, yes. How wonderful to focus on someone else for a really <laughs> long time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, What's fascinating to Exio is that being somebody who has been experiencing intense emotion yeah. these past couple of weeks, you've discovered a new level of empathy that you've had to adjust to a little bit. You always knew to care about somebody and you always had that impulse to care about somebody. But you've noticed that recently in your counseling sessions when somebody cries, there's been moments where you thought you might cry too <laughs> and it's taken some getting used to of feeling that empathetic emotion and it has kind of made you wonder how the hell olin does this around people who are constantly having emotions you've just seen your last appointment scheduled for the day it is what would be basically considered late afternoon it is an incredible skill being empathetic while not taking in the overspill. There is a, it is a very, <laughs> it is an incredible skill and a diplomat, I can only imagine has been studying that for a very long time as do therapists, however, it happens. So, uh, so then I'll, if, if that's the case, um, I'm going to absolutely regulate myself because that is an appropriate and a not not an appropriate response for a therapist to have. Mm -hmm. um, so fair. I've been uh, so I have been scheduling my appointments um, with a larger break between. I would normally be able to go back to back with only a few minutes um, 
to to accommodate a sort of emotional reset. Um, okay. So I've been scheduling them out a little bit further so that I have um, a proper amount of time to regulate um, and keep myself appropriately separate from my patients. Um, Cause you can't be helpful to them if you're just sort of a lightning rod for them. So, um, so that is what I'm going to be doing. Um, taking quite a lot of time in between, but still monitoring myself. Um, and, and yeah, um, I will have my, I will have a memo sent out to the rest of my counseling team Mm-hmm. Um, that at with a sort of go ahead of my patients for the day or week or whatever might be transferred to you at any given moment based on whether or not I feel my feel my um, my emotional state in 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 the appropriate response. Uh, the Ox Crew counseling team responds uh, more than happy to step in cool. and share that responsibility. Cool. Even though they are technically on sort of detached leave right now, the yeah. truth is is they all respond immediately within minutes of you posting that. So all of them, every single one of them volunteering. Wonderful. Um, wonderful. Uh, Exio, <sighs> you find yourself, it's, yeah. it, is, it is quite the same as I described it to tech. This yes. is the first time you've known the Ross to be complete quiet in such a ghost town people mostly only come to the counseling sessions they'll come on board the uss ross for the counseling session because it feels like familiar territory but then they disembark and head back to narendra station for their crew quarters or to stay with families or loved ones or people that they're friends with it has been a very quiet atmosphere you do know the captain has been spending most of their time on the ship um and you do know that sorex has not left the ship okay what, what has, has been, he been taking up any activities? Have has he been assigned a, a position to occupy himself? I know he asked for one. No, not um, yet. Um, and he does not have a security detail on him anymore. I assume. Uh, you tell me. Would you and the captain want to keep a security detail on him? No. I don't feel an overabundant need. Not least because if he wants to lose them, he can. So might as well show him the trust. He also has a badge on him, though. So if you ever need to know where he's at, the computer can tell you immediately. And he will absolutely not circumvent that if he intends to lose us. Yeah, I think I think probably part of the arrangement was is he doesn't take that off. If he's going to leave his quarters, he takes that with him. Yes. Which is more than acceptable as a defector. Cool. Um... Neat. Um, yeah. That's pretty much say, exactly what you're experiencing, Exio. As you lean yeah. back in your chair and look around your quarters, there's this sudden, like, what do I do? <laughs> there's nothing on your schedule. The ship is completely quiet. You can occasionally hear the communications flowing through the ship because as XEO, you kind of are in tune with the fact that the engineering teams are talking to each other. Yeah. But for the most part, it is an odd sensation. The Ross is asleep. Hmm. It is an odd sensation. What time, what, 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 uh, what, where are we in the shift? Are we, this would still be considered, this would be considered coming to the end of alpha shift. Okay. 
Okay, so I maybe have... Do I have any appointments left for the day? Or is it no. done? No. Nope. I have none? None. Oh. Well, look <laughs> at me getting ready for nothing. Um, okay. Well, let's do a little check-in, shall we? Sure. I'm saying to myself okay. out loud. Oh, boy. Okay. Do you keep your um, uniform blue? <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, okay. Yeah, I'm still in my office. Sure. It's, it's sort of programmed to change while I'm in here. Um, yeah. uh, hmm. I think I'm just sort of pacing within my office. It's like that when you when you have done a thing all day and you're like, yeah. I did the thing. I did. I'm, I. I. What do I do with all of the left? Do I, I have I, leftover energy or do I not? What I is absolutely all of want this? to capture this as a scene. I want to capture this as an RP scene of, of of role play of not knowing what the hell to do. Exio is literally pacing. Yes. If you can imagine this being a scene in a show, like some quirky music playing as Exio is pacing back and forth, just kind of like, huh. <laughs> like, yeah. This is a new sensation with a sleeping Ross and nothing really on the schedule of things to do. No one's calling you right now. No one's tripping away. It has been quiet. I have nothing to do. <laughs> you kind of say to the empty space around you. Um. All right. Screw it. Um. I'm going to blip back to my my quarters. <laughs> and I thought I'd be tired. I'm personal log. Thank you. I thought I would be tired. Um. I re it was a. Done. Done. No more. I don't know why I'm still <laughs> keeping those. I'm not sending them to anyone anymore. So I... All right. Um, I want to go to the mirror. Okay. And just looking at myself and change into civilian clothes. Um... <laughs> I don't do that very often. Why am I still? I turned off the personal log. You can stop. You can stop, Exio. Okay. I just talked to myself in the third person. Oh, oh, uh. Okay. Let's have a look at you. Okay. Oh. Okay. Ah. Hmm. Huh. I run my hand through my hair and I leave a white stripe. Totally like the just, craft where you just Yeah. Just a white stripe goes bang. right through your hair. Okay. Yeah, like I did at the dinner the other day. Right. And Oh, I look like I had a breakup. Huh. Oh. Clearly I'm not letting go of the relationship stuff today. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. It's remarkable, Exio, because as you are going through the motions of thinking about overthinking about overthinking about overthinking outside the window is an entire galaxy 
You are out in the edge of the frontier of space and you're standing in your quarters doing nothing. And it's starting yes. to gnaw at you a little bit. So that my my inner voice literally says that to me. <laughs> okay. And then I get self-conscious and I go, yes, but I also feel like an entire galaxy inside. So... <sighs> screw it. I'm going out. And I, I, I'm gonna go find the bar on Narendra Station. I'm gonna take some time off. You startle the Saurian Ensign in Transporter Room 4 as you materialize. I'm sorry, Transporter Room 5 as you materialize. Um, you also startle Chief Tech, who has just stepped up onto the transporter pad and is not looking good. As you blip into the transporter room and you see both of them, just, huh, huh. oh, oh, Commander! The, the Thorian stands at attention. This ensign just straightens his uniform. They they kind of look at you for a second and they just, Commander, Commander, yes, hello. I was about to transport the Chief Commander using the transporter. Using the transporter, I was going to transport the Chief Commander. Yeah. Uh huh. Were you going to the station? Yes. Would you mind if I accompany you? Please, uh, please do. Uh, are you doing anything? I like what you did with your hair. Would you want to come with me? Uh, sort of does a mental note of, all right, back on duty. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a small ounce of relief, probably. Um, oh, thank God, counseling. Yeah, and uh, and just says, would be delighted. Okay, and I, and okay. I step on uh, with you, and then I just... Are we getting a drink? And then, like, Vast, <laughs> by the way, who is now doing their second duty shift on their own here on the transporter, um, back to back, which is kind of like sort of a hazing, if you will, mm -hmm. to take two duty shifts like this. It's their first time. It's their first time operating the transporter without observation, and the ensign who. Chief, you've known Ensign Silvas for just a little bit of time. They're a Saurian. They are, for the record, non-binary. They're mm -hmm. a petty officer second class. They are an up-and-coming, loving, like, engineer Saurian. They want to do the best job that they can, but they have shown extreme Willow Rosenbergness. They're very, <laughs> they're very just like, oh, uh, you can yes, do it. I can do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, let me just see how the buttons work when I press them, kind of like attitude towards everything. And you can see they have been, they've always been a bit of a shaky leaf on the branch. However, you actually see a little bit of confidence in Silvas as the two of you step onto the transporter pad and Silvas, like straight out of Picard, straightens their uniform and says, two to beam over. And you are energized as this small split of a smile as the Saurian transports you. Gina, to catch you up. Yeah. Um, this is a, first of all, this is, going ox, on? <laughs> this is an ox crew character. Yeah. This is a submission on the champions level. Um, but in the previous episode of Clear Skies, LaCat got a taste of command. When nobody was on the bridge, LaCat sat in the center chair and realized in a moment of astonishment that they were going to be a captain one day. And when they decided really? to be. Yes, it was a big moment for, for LeCat, a really big oh. personal quiet moment where no one was on the bridge. LeCat had the realization. 
and they were like having anxiety about it. And when they went down to the transporter pad, they encountered Savas. And Savas was the nerve-wracked anxiety machine that we all are and was super nervous because this is their first duty shift without anybody around. And Lacat said, this will be my first command. And made a presence command check and successfully rolled and gave Savas the confidence to do their job well. And it's still here because Savas looks like they know what they're doing and they transport the hell out of you and keep it back <laughs> over to Narendra Station. They press the two buttons and slide the slider, and you both materialize on the transporter pad on Narendra Station. That's the back door. Who doesn't know, to know that, but, <laughs> but has probably seen these nerves before and is just makes a small note of, oh, huh. they're, they're getting it. They're getting it. I'm like, Yay! There's just a small yay. Uh, so is finding their voice. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad I went out today. Just all these thoughts while I'm... You, know you say that to yourself as you glance over to Chief Tech, who's yeah. starting to perspire and just kind of like... Do you want to um, maybe go see Commander Saivek? I think that's what I want to do. That's where I'm headed. So if you wanted to come with me, we could go over there and, and give Commander Saivek a quick talk and to, with, for... I loop your arm mm -hmm. because I, I'm as a sort of general gesture of I'm in civilian clothes mm -hmm. and um, and also I, I and I'll just uh, quickly tuck you in really close to me and mm -hmm. all I'm going to say to you is um, I also get very jumpy when I'm incredibly nervous so we're going to walk together I will go get a drink, but do you want to catch me up on what's happening while I'm guiding you towards the the um, Commander Sivek, correct? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, I will guide you, but you need to talk quickly. Okay. Uh, well, um, I was sort of doing some research about uh, my brother and what happened during the Dominion War, and I sort of used my computer in an encryption level that I may not have had clearance to, but I was just checking on my own family's information, so I should have had access to it from the beginning. I just didn't want them to know that I was looking it up because I got a... Oh, back up. I got a communication saying that they found the remains of Reiku and that I don't know what to do with about now, but uh, McCrell was talking to me about some things because they served together. I don't know if you knew that, but I, I think she may be lying to me about his past and maybe about how he died or maybe how he served. I don't know how he lived. Okay. Oh, breathe. <sighs> anyway, I got caught and now Commander Sivak wants to see me. Quick! Quick, 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 quick. HIPAA in Federation uh, check, please. Because <laughs> uh, um, I know Axio would know this. Gina doesn't know the incredible, how bad was what he just said to me he's, in terms he, of that. He's going to be placed under arrest when he gets to the office. Oh, he, boy. He is... He is <laughs> Pending an investigation, he could be charged. He pulled a Lark Sage without the Lark Sageness. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. However, All right. um, but you'll but really you don't know what you're up against until you talk to Cyvik. Okay. But, but but you already kind of have a personality profile on Cyvik just from meeting him. 
Yeah. So I think it's a Vulcan. He's an XO and he takes his job as security <laughs> oh, officer and yes. second in command of Narendra Station very seriously. If you can imagine what Janil Rue would have been like as a Vulcan, that's probably <laughs> pretty close to Saivik. Takes his job very, very seriously. Oh God, Tech, you're so screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This has been so great playing with you, Xander. We, this is yeah. a joy having We're you. Let Thank us know where we so can send the following. Um, uh, I look forward to replacing your character. Can we get F's in the chat for Chief Tech? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, no. Respects. I live oh, in the break no. now. <laughs> okay. Um, so then, what Exio actually is going to do um, is she is going to immediately stop at hearing upon what you have done, um, because she is not, that is not what she thought you were going to say, and that uh, she has currently had an entire day of checking herself on what's appropriate, and that immediately crosses her line of what is absolutely inappropriate. It doesn't matter what your reasons are for her, um, because it, whew. So you see her take a big breath, um, and she puts her arms or her hands on your shoulders and she says, Chief Tech? Yeah. You aren't going to say anything that you just said to him. Okay. We are going to tell the truth, and you are not going to put that much emotion into what you just said. Do you understand? I'm not showing any emotion. Chief Tech, I need you to get it together, because if you do not do this appropriately, you will be arrested. Do you understand the severity? Yes, I do. I'm very glad you asked me to come with you, and I understand the importance of this. And I'm not sure, in your state, that you do. I hate, I hate rank and regulation. I hate all of this. I know. I know. Which is why I'm going to help you, okay? All right. Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 I really need you to hear me, though, because what you have done is going to be punished. But I'm I going to... But I'm... Okay. Okay. Whew. I need to know that you can collect yourself. Consider me collected, Commander. Do you need a moment? I'm fine. Okay. Let's go. Okay. And I want to squeeze your arm again. Mm -hmm. Just to, we'll do this together. Let's go. Exio's presence is giving you some confidence, mm. Tech. It does feel like you're walking to the principal's office right now, but the mm -hmm. teacher that's taking you there is on your side. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of just like, okay, so maybe you won't get the paddle today. Uh -huh. <laughs> As you're being taken down, um, toward the uh, main command area, you walk past the embassies, you're walking past the wasted space. Um, again, Narendra Station is packed. It is very crowded. You're going to see Ox crew members around, people saying hello to Exio and Tech as y'all move through the crowd. You're seeing a lot of the USS Ross is making up 
most of the compliment to people that are out here on the promenade deck right now. But for the most part, everyone seems to be respecting everybody else's time off and is engaging with the people they don't get to see too often. <clears throat> it takes a few moments before you're actually able to weave through the crowds and get to the command area where you see these large double doors with the insignia of the Federation. As it opens, you find yourself walking into the liaison's office of Admiral April Hebert, where you know Commander Sivek keeps his quarters. You were going to say something, Dina? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, I think you muted. Oh, apologies. Uh, yeah. yes. One quick thing. Um, uh, I'm going to <laughs> immediately call our lovely, uh, lawyer. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, uh, have them on standby. Uh, this is sort of the attorney call. Um, Who's your because lawyer? I, oh, your lawyer. Our Yo lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yo right. your, your aspiring JAG officer. Yeah. So okay. um, sort of a, a, a call of like, hey, be on standby. There is a possible legal issue. Um, can you please start researching yada, yada, yada? <laughs> you, so as you get in touch Not with Dr. Yada, yada, just the phrase <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Just oh, you just clear. say yada, yada, yada? <laughs> Because you, you start telling her be on standby, we might have a legal issue. And yeah, I give a rough, this. I give a, uh, I give a quick sort of like obviously so they know what they're researching and can narrow down. Just a um, a, a database was, um, I'm going to say accidentally illegally um, accessed. Accidentally uh, illegally accessed. You correct. You're as Michanto's incredulous tone on the other end, and she says, okay. Accidentally, illegally accessed. Um, yes. Was who, who, and and when, and what was it? Uh, your client is going to be um, Chief Tech, <laughs> okay. and um, clearly, Chief Tech. I say while looking straight at you, accessed Narinja Station's medical files when clearly he did not mean to. Whoops. What Narinja Station? Narendra Station medical files? Yes. He... Commander Axio, can I talk to you as a lawyer? Yes. Okay, as a lawyer, I would say, you need to tell me the full truth here so that I can defend you. I am. Remove the word accidentally. Ah, that's what I was looking for. Okay, so Chief Tech breached a secure file to look at medical files on Narendra Station's database, correct? Correct. I need you okay. to please give me the correct information on the HIPAA violations and... That's his career. Um, I'm aware. his career. However, what medical files was he looking at? What would inspire Chief Tech to, to do that? This is a family member and a deceased one at that. I know that the statute of limitations on access to that have not expired. However, I need any possible loophole and if there aren't any, I also need to know that. There's a loophole. Wonderful. He's going to be fine. What is it? Uh, the loophole is Admiral April Hebert. Explain. Well, it's no secret that the USS Ross has gained a significant amount of reputation in the past couple of months. 
and chief tech's service record these past couple of months have been ecstatic. I don't think you're going to have any problems dealing with the admiral when you explain that he breached medical files to find out the truth about his dead brother. That's something that Admiral April Hebert, according to her personnel profile, I think she would show sympathy for and overlook after giving him a stern talking to. Commander Sivek, however, will absolutely have him thrown in a brig, shipped back to Starbase One, and discharged dishonorably within a month. Yes, that is who our meeting is with currently. I will make a call to Ad uh, Admiral Hebert immediately. Uh, definitely do that as quickly as possible. And, and just to cover your bases, Commander, I would probably let the captain know what's happening too. Yes. When is your when is your meeting with Sivek? I believe it is no. this exact moment. Uh, um, okay. I will stall. Um, you take the meeting, and I will alert the captain and Admiral Ab Admiral Aber. That would be wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Shanto out. It cuts the transmission. When Asmi Shanto finishes firing off in rapid succession everything that's happened, Captain. You yes. find yourself in that state of somebody who knows regulation, who respects regulation, who enforces regulation. And you also are given Asmi Shanto's theory and the strategy of how to win this over. Essentially, it's putting you into very uncomfortable territory of we're going to ask the Admiral to look at this, which is a way of saying we're not asking for a favor. We're not asking for anything. We just want the Admiral to look at this because both you and Asmi Shanto know what the Admiral will do if she looks at it. Yeah. Yes. And so it's happening right now. So you are aware that when Asmi Shanto rattles all of this off to you, yeah. as you're laying back in your quarters, Captain, you are aware that you have to make a decision now because they're literally walking into the lion's mouth as, as Shanto's finished talking to you. Oh, the, the decision is whether or not we don't take this meeting? It's up to it's up to the captain. No, no, the meeting's happening. But it's actually because Shanto is presenting this information to the captain. Yeah. It's up to the captain whether or not the card of the Admiral card gets played. Oh, oh, yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Leaving, so, we're leaving the Admiral card to Captain Saul. Right, because because she has explained that this was the, this is what I recommended. This is what I told Exio we should do. I'm bringing it to you for consideration. Is it, uh, is it Cyvex protocol to have to go through Admiral Eber? No, because he has, they, no, he has, he, jurisdiction. he has, he has jurisdiction. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. We'll call the Admiral and the chief medical officer of Narendra station whose files he accessed and ask all of them along with Cyvex to be in the meeting all of the parties who are in fact impacted. This is the Admiral's station, this is Cyvek's domain, and this is the Chief Medical Officer's database. So, point of clarification. Yeah. Um, just to, to give you a heads up, the Chief Medical Officer is from the Klingon Empire. She would not be given access to Federation files on uh, the-, the so whose database was breached? It would essentially, this would essentially fall under Cyvek's jurisdiction. He, she, if she wanted to gain access to the medical files of a Federation members, she would just have to put in a request and Cyvek would give access. It's, it would not be a thing that she would have to jump through hoops for. But that access immediately falls under Starfleet personnel. So technically, this is, these were secure medical files. The, these, were, these were medical records, I should say. 
Okay. To see Starfleet personnel. So this is not going to fall under the purview of the of the CMO. That's uh, of, the, of the Klingon Empire. It's messy yes. because the chief medical officer of this starbase is Klingon. It's just one of the many things that makes this whole command structure a little messy on Narendra. All right. But you can still request her there. You certainly could. Oh, yes, certainly. If I want to play a certain sort of favorites and get someone I like out of trouble when he absolutely did the thing, mm -hmm. uh, and we have selective application of justice, then that's very much the thing that one does. You can uh, also use McCrell. Um... I wouldn't necessarily be averse to that, but I don't think this is really, like, this isn't... Sure. I would bring in the CMO because the CMO is ostensibly kind of the wronged party if this is the database right. to whom they right, have access. Right, 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 right. It makes sense. We need more than just Cyvek here because the wronged party should not also be in complete control of the arbitration of the situation. Uh, <laughs> if this is Cyvek's scope that uh, Chief Tech infringed on, then Cyvek cannot be the only one involved in uh, justice for this. That's That would be inappropriate. Uh, so if nothing else, yes, the Admiral does need to be involved. Uh, because otherwise, you know, there's the petting, there's, there's the feeling of someone being on your turf that might cause Cyvek to be, how should I put this, Shanta? Illogical. Mm. All right, so who's going to be there? You, do you want Shanto there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, oh, uh, actually there's, you know who should be uh, the third one present in this uh, meeting from Narendra? They have a JAG officer. It's, it's, a, it's a station, whoever their highest ranking legal official. That would actually be Cyvik. Okay, yeah, no, see, this is far too centralized and, and uh, no. Welcome, welcome to the frontier <laughs> of, welcome yep. to the ascent of space. Narendra Station fine. is out. We go with number two. We go until we hit someone who is not Cyvek, who cannot be <laughs> judge and jury and Every, prosecutor. I love this. Every time you're scrolling to like, we need to find somebody. Uh, okay, not him. Somebody else that does. Oh, somebody did this. It's him again. God damn it. Like, right, yes, um, no. Yeah, Absolutely the command not. structure, the command structure of Narendra Station, uh, you're starting to get a good look, you're getting a good snapshot of how messy this is. And you're also getting a good look, finally, Captain, at what probably they have to put up with around here. Being that there are three governments and two of them control the station, what you get is sort of a cooperative mess of constantly having to negotiate who has jurisdiction over what. This has been refined. <laughs> because the Federation has done shit like this before in the past, DS9 being one of its primary examples of how a Federation station in somebody else's territory could actually benefit and everyone has a certain amount of authority. Narendra station is a little more intimate. Klingons and humans both have a say in what goes on here and they live face to face. And as a result, a lot of the administrative duties falls on a small select group of people and branches out from there. So every time you try to go around the ladder to find out who you can talk to, all roads lead back to Cyvik. And you're also getting a good glimpse at the fact that just like you, sh you should have expected as a Vulcan, this man 
operates like a living computer. He is taking on, a, you're, you're looking at his duty schedule. When does this man sleep? That, his, his schedule doesn't look off to me at all. <laughs> you're looking at this and you're like, yeah, that was yesterday. Yeah. I'm the one looking and I am but the weak organic flesh, my dear uh, Well, then uh, it probably still feels familiar to you and you go, Axiom needs a break. So we will cut to the scene of everyone pretty much arriving to the office. Great, because I'll, I'll say that uh, since all of this communication, I'm sure is sort of being communicated while we're out front of like, did did Captain, you know, contact what's being done, what a chant, you know, what a chant yeah. communicate. So um, it would have been like a, uh, I did. Is there Shanto an office tells- for Cyvek? Is there a number two that like makes his appointments for him? Like there is, there is a liaison. Is there a middle? There's a liaison. There's a liaison. Okay, it's like so, a waiting room, as it were. Yeah, a waiting room. So Exio would have uh, sort of signed in, as it were, but with the stipulation of all parties present. All parties are not currently present, so we'll take meeting when. Okay. All parties arrive, sort of thing, so that they they were aware that we were punctual but that the meeting could not take place without all said parties. Everyone is like, bracing for impact. To keep Cyvek, you know, you know, Vulcan mm-hmm. brain happy of appointment was kept and, you know, try it's, to make this smooth. It's after your shoot fails when you're skydiving, so you start flapping your arms really, really hard. What? It's Wait, what? Of, Stop kind of flapping and start focusing on the backup. Yeah, I'm not flapping. I'm just ready to pull the second string. (laughs) Well, and then backup shall arrive. um, Having uh, called the Admiral rather neutral about this, this is a fact-finding expedition, and they are not looking for a favor as such. They just need an appellate role. Yeah, you basically call in the Admiral that you you need them to... I need a second set of eyes on an incident that happened with one of my crew members. If you spend your momentum, I will make it so. I don't think we have Make it any. so. Oh, okay. Master of games. All right. Yeah, I know there's a scene switch, but again, we do a lot of scene cutting, and so I don't want to penalize you guys because really the way we run this game is it's very, very episodic, like jumping from scene to scene like in a television show. It would be really crummy if I was like, and now you're down 24 momentum (laughs) or whatever the hell. (laughs) So for the next three games, you gain no momentum. Um, So we will say this. You, You get a very clever, very confident Saurian who site-to-site transport beams you, which is, by the way, not an easy thing to do. Site-to-site transports you directly to the office in front uh, in front of the office on the ranger station. You and Shanto appear side by side. Shanto is in civilian clothes right now. Um, As is Sol. They had and- just come back from another program in the holodeck. Right. In fact, in mid-transport, you can see Shanto is finishing clipping her Bajoran earring on when she sees you as she materializes next to you and goes, Sir, sorry. I was actually coming out of the shower when we got the call. Of course. I was learning tango. What is that? I'm sorry. You can tell me later. I'm just really curious. Um, The door is open at that point. And as they do, you see inside Exio and Chief Tech turn and look at you. I'm sorry. And on cue, oh, no. as you say this, as everybody is gathering at this particular moment, the person at this desk, uh, this 
you there is this uh, human male at the desk who stands up, straightens up as Commander Sivek rounds the corner with a little bit of that long stride of somebody moving with purpose. He is flanked by two yellow shirts. And he steps into the room and says, Captain. Commander Sivek. And then he immediately turns and faces you and says, Chief Teclanetis, under Regulation 7, Paragraph 4, I am placing you under arrest for securing unauthorized access to files on the Federation Ranger Station. Please take him to custody immediately. And the yellow shirts immediately move forward and start clapping you in the irons, as it were. They begin to escort you out of the room. I don't protest. I okay. Calmly you are being led to the brig. Commander Sivak looks at the two of you and just says, thank you. I I'll will need keep you to notified. provide a, a copy of those charges to my yeoman. Of course. As well it's as your full detailed report. He hands it to you right there. Good. You see a record log of the breach. It happened about 45 minutes ago. You see the transcript of the communications along with a, a audio log of the communications. You see the files that were accessed. As you're looking at this, Captain, you're like, uh, yes. Chief Tech breached a Federation restricted file <laughs> using an unauthorized program and <laughs> was caught in the act. <laughs> as you're looking at this, um, as you're, Cybic waits politely for a moment for you to read. And when it seems like he's satisfied that you've read enough of the charges, he just very sincerely states, I will keep you notified as to the progress of his court martial. Shanto speaks up at that point and says, I don't know that there's going to be a court-martial, Commander. I mean, I think there are certain circumstances here. About that point, Admiral April Hebert comes into the room. She is wearing that casual Admiral's jacket that you saw Picard wear from time to time. It's kind of open and suede. Um, has sort of like the folded tunic on underneath. And she is wearing the duty uniforms underneath. But as she comes striding in, this woman who's about 5'5", five, five, hair pulled back, just exuding authority. And she walks into the room and she's like, all right, who's getting kicked out of Starfleet and for what? Admiral. Chief Teclanatus was discovered authorizing, uh, accessing in an unauthorized manner files from the Federation database. I have a copy of the report for you here and hands a second data pad over to the Admiral. <laughs> the Admiral takes a look at it. Ray Kulinatis. Can't be a coincidence. The Relative. Brother. His brother. His I brother. Know. He broke into Federation medical files to look up information about his dead brother. Um, I was informed um, if this is going to be on the record or not, I'm not sure. But um, uh, it has come to my attention that his brother's remains were found and he was informed this morning. Captain, I don't know why your chief of engineering didn't think he could just ask somebody for this, but something must have compelled him to do it behind people's backs. Family make us all do ill-advised things from time to time. Whose idea was it to call me in on this? Mine. Smart. Commander? Sivik straightens and says, yes, Admiral. And she says, how long have we worked together now? The Vulcan looks at her for a second and then quirks an eyebrow 
and does that kind of Tuvok thing where he knows something that he doesn't necessarily agree with is coming and sort of he exhales while he does the kind of head wobble and says, roughly 14 years, Admiral. So you know me pretty well, don't you? That is a logical assumption, Admiral. So why don't we say, let Chief Tech cool his heels in a brig for eight hours and then forget about this? I would find that acceptable. It's going to set you back on the refit, Captain, but maybe you can chew your chief out for that. Oh, I will. Well, this was exciting. Career <clears throat> saved. I'm going to go back to my drink now, if you need me. Mm. And Can with I that, Admiral, uh, would you like to join me? I would Please. love to. Please, uh, I would really talk to you guys. I would like to also just add a stipulation in the um, release, uh, sort of the per the, the parole like requirements of release. Um, mm -hmm. Be because uh, we know the chief ha does not schedule counseling sessions, and it is incredibly worrying. So I would say uh, one of the requirements is mandatory counseling with me. That's a smart requirement. All right. By order of Starfleet, it's part of his parole requirements of getting out of the brig, instead of rotting in, the where, in there for the rest of his natural days, he will have to take counseling sessions on at least a weekly basis. But this will be held at Exio's discretion, meaning if Commander Axio wants to see Chief Teclinatus twice a day, she gets to see Chief Teclinatus twice a day, and he will have to maneuver his schedule to accommodate her. Does that sound good to you, Captain? Seems eminently agreeable to me. Good. Zandari's going to have her work cut out for her. <laughs> Let's go get that drink. Oh, please. And the three of you walk out, leaving Shanto just in the office who just goes, <laughs> watches, watches the flag officers leave as, the as she just kind of exhales for a second. Guess <laughs> uh, who's processing the paperwork because the <laughs> command officers um, all bounced. <laughs> where is Olin Majunil? Uh, Olin has probably been staying on the station um, to stay close to whatever has been going on there. So they've been spending all their time in the Federation Embassy, and probably not so much on the ship since their last conversation with the captain. Okay. In the Federation Embassy. Olin, you receive a very mysterious communication on a data pad that's right in front of you. And all it says is, meet me in the main shuttle bay. Curious. All right then, patience, let's go. Narendra Station is, as Sam DeLev would say, large, quite large. This is, Again, this station is roughly half the size of Starbase One, making it yesterday massive. It's big enough that it could accommodate multiple starships around its orbit and even dock with them. 
So the main shuttle bay obviously dwarfs the USS Ross. It's able to accommodate scale two ships coming and going as it needs to. So the bottom half of this shuttle bay is big enough where warp-capable transports of civilian craft are coming and going. Multiple versions of the Orion Interceptor could fit inside this shuttle bay in a line across the bay itself. So when you come in here, it is this grand cavernous echo chamber that spans the radius of the entire station with hundreds and hundreds of personnel moving through here. The sound of Klingons shouting at each other and tools being dropped that are probably echoing from a third of a mile away. It's large. As you enter the station, you kind of are finding yourself wandering around a little bit. You're definitely out of place. Everyone down here is in either Federation full uniform, civilian uniform, or they're in Klingon uniform. And they're giving you glances as they walk past you. But as you approach what is a stack of cargo containers, you hear... <clears throat> and a um. slight glance. You feel emotionally... Olin, you feel this excited anticipation. Not hostility. More like an eagerness to talk to you. Uh, yes. And I think Olin kind of sort of doesn't make immediate eye contact or anything like that. Um, they sort of kind of tuck themselves up like in the direction of, of the... Um, of the cleared throat. Okay. Um, but they're not entirely sure whether or not they're supposed to draw attention to themselves, so they try not to attack, call attention to themselves. There is a shadowy figure standing next to these large cargo containers who does not step out into the light, but he does move close to you so that you can hear his voice. And when he speaks, there's this instant recognition when you realize who it is. And you hear Sorex say to you, I felt like this might be a better way of meetings unlike we did last time when i needed to speak to you with no one around well it's certainly better than a knife uh, than a gun to my back yes i don't think the captain will let me have weapons but even if they did i certainly wouldn't be pointing any of them at my friends we're friends then for my part yes how can i help you sorex no, no. This is me coming to help you, Olin. I owe you. And a certain Romulan ambassador just made a fatal mistake by trying to recruit me. We're going to go on break. <laughs> it's 8.04. We will be back in 10 minutes. So we will see you soon. Don't go anywhere. I just want to say for the record that the first episode of Discovery was fucking awesome. It was so good. It was so exciting. It was so good. Th what it they're doing with Discovery right now is what I had hoped they'd always do with Discovery. And there's and, a cat. And there is a cat. There's a very Violet. large cat. There's a cat. Named the cast Grudge. is awesome. <laughs> there's a cat named Grudge. <laughs> yep, that's the name of the cat is Grudge. You can hold the it's a big cat. It has a thyroid. You can hold a grudge. <laughs> it's very. I think the the exact line was, "It's very big and is all mine." 
Yeah. No Aww. more. We won't give any more spoilers. There's not going to be spoilers. Just know that there is a cat, and it's it's a great first episode. I'm thrilled at what they're doing, and I would love to run a Star Trek game set in the setting of where Discovery is right now because it is, it is so good. It's just so good. So <clears throat> now that I'm psyched for Star Trek again, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump back into this tense moment between the shadowy figure that you know now as Sorex standing off to the side in this main cargo bay here in Narendra Station has just told you something of a jaw-dropping revelation that's got your blood pumping, Olin. <clears throat> and you don't feel any deception from coming from Sorex. What you feel is that... that anticipation the way maybe a predator might feel before they pounce on something. The stuff that that uh, the captain is trying to distance themselves from, Sorex lives for this shit. And you can feel the energy coursing in him as he's telling you this information. What's up, Sam? You had a question? Yes. Um, I was having a body at the very, very end, right before we went to break, and so I didn't hear the revelation. Can you tell me ah, the clip that we're hanging from? Sure, yes. Yeah. So right before we went to break, Sorex um, revealed that he was the one that had called Olin down to the main cargo bay. They had a banter back and forth about how this time that he's talking to them, it's different because he's not pulling a weapon. And uh, Sorex made a wisecrack about how the captain doesn't let me carry weapons anymore, and I especially wouldn't want to pull one on friends. Olin said, are we friends? And Sorex said, for my part. And Olin said, well, what can I do for you? And Sorex said, oh, no, it's what I can do for you because a certain Romulan ambassador just made the fatal mistake of trying to recruit me. And that's where we went on break. I knew that'd make you happy. So we cut back to this moment where that revelation has settled in your ears, Olin. You find yourself instinctively glancing around to see how many people might be in here looking at you, particularly instinctively looking around to see if there are any Romulans in here. There are none that you can see, except for the one in the darkness to your left. <laughs> Did he now? What do you know about General Cargan? He seems to be taking a particular interest in the Klingon, the Klingon general. I know that you can keep a secret. You're trained in doing such. Do you have a secret you want me to keep, Ambassador? Yes, I do. But whatever happens, you cannot... You have to find a way to make sure the captain doesn't know how you found, this, found out this information. Done. Easy. It is very possible that General Cargan is in league with members of a forsaken Klingon house, one that once had strong ties to a certain Romulan, well, she fashions herself a leader that you and I Sila. don't know. Yes. Doros. Cargan is dealing with Doros. Very glad you're good at your job. 
the ambassador is currying favor with me, I think not only because he wants to utilize my skill sets, but I believe he thinks that I am a way of getting in good with my father. As you know, Admiral Mendak carries an extraordinary amount of authority and weight in the current upset of the Romulan Star Empire and is siding with the Senate at the moment, which is where Pagino wants him. I think he wants to get closer to my father. I have a feeling Ambassador Pagino has his sights on the higher offices of the Romulan Senate. I don't think he intends to remain an ambassador on the edge of space for long. I think he requested this assignment specifically because he was trying to get close. It makes me wonder just how bad the leaks are, if he had any inkling at all that you would be on our ship. It's possible. Because why on earth would he try to be getting close to Narendra, unless he was trying to get close to us? And why would he be getting close to us unless he knew you were going to be on the ship? It's possible, but you'll work your mind into a frenzy if you deal too much in the what-ifs. Yes, I try not to do that too much, but unfortunately, times being what they are, and our situation being what it is, he wants me to do quite to... a bit more of that than I've wanted to. What does he want to do? do want to do? He wants me to. Prove my loyalties. Is there information that might seem sensitive that I could give the ambassador on to make it seem as though I stole it from the Federation? Nothing actually sensitive, but something enough that it would appease and perhaps fool him. If you can do that for me, Ambassador, I can gain his trust, and then I can figure out the situation with this Klingon and what this Ambassador wants. When you say sensitive, do you have a particular idea in mind? No, not really, to be honest with you. I certainly don't want him knowing what the Ross has been doing. I don't think that's any of his concern. I don't think it would serve him. I'd like to do this in a way that doesn't betray the captain, preferably. Although nothing that I'm suggesting is going to be something that they would like. No, no, I don't think it will be. Do you want to follow me down this path, Ambassador? Because if you do, we can gain the upper hand on this bastard. I want my captain to find a way out of the situation they're constantly finding themselves in. They said something to me the other day about doing for others what others cannot do for themselves. And I find myself in a position to do that for them. So yes, Sorex, I will follow you down this path. 
I promise I won't lead you too far. I need you to be able to be Olin Marjorie You can't do that if you go where I go. But I can promise you this. No one's going to die. This is simple espionage. It's what I was bred for. Here's what I can tell you about Ambassador Pagino. After speaking with the man for over an hour, I genuinely believe that he subscribes to principles I would like to see in the Romulan Senate. But he doesn't display the virtues of a man who's willing to go the right direction to get them. He seems to be inclined towards ruthlessness when he may not necessarily have to be. And this is what's made him vulnerable. I firmly believe he has his eyes set on the position of Praetor. A lofty goal, but not out of reach if he was to gain the favor of Admiral Mindak. I got a similar feeling from him in my conversations with him as well. He is a Romulan of singular ambition. The best way to deal with him. Sorry, continue. No, go ahead. I was going to suggest that the best way to deal with him is to give, make him think that he's getting what he wants. I must confess I'm not entirely sure where to begin, but I will do what I can to help you. I think that getting him off our, getting him off our table for a little while might be a good thing. Very Are well. Are you sure you want to do this? Oh yes. This is an opportunity to pay back my friends the way I can pay them back for the kindness that they've shown me. Of course, Saul would hate this. Mm. And it could get me killed. Particularly if I'm found with Klingons. It could cause a diplomatic event. But I am not going to fail. I spent years under deep cover walking next to admirals at Starfleet Command without them even knowing. Klingons? I certainly was going to pull a leaf from Captain Sull's book. Lean forward, arch an eyebrow and say, well then don't get caught. But Can I, I make a suggestion you, for you? Well, please. I have no idea what I'm doing. You don't have to mean it. But Pagino's in a position to make you and your life very difficult. Whatever it is that you said to him, I would pretend like I was sorry. He's not happy with you. I didn't press the matter. You see, even from the smiles, that angular face, you can see that flash of teeth as he grins and looks around to make sure that no one's watching the surroundings. When he glances back and he says, whatever you said to him, 
I've never seen a man who keeps his composure that riled. <sighs> Olin, if you want, I can teach you how to do this. You want to learn the trade? It's not always just negotiation. Sometimes it's knowing exactly how to pull the right string when you need it. It's reading people, manipulating them. When you need to do it for the right cause, you can even cause your conscience to get quiet long enough to get the job done and maybe save some lives. Get people talking. No one knows how long this peace is going to last now that the Dominion War is done. But my people have shown every indication that they have not changed. I estimate five more years of this supposed peace before my people is back at the throat of the Federation. It doesn't have to be like that if we get the right people in power. But that's not our problem. Our problem is Pagino and making sure that Pagino doesn't cause any problems for the Federation or the people here at Narendra Station. If you want, I can teach you some tools of the trade. You could learn how the Tal Shiar do it. May I ask you a question? Of course. Can you answer it honestly? Yes. What do you think going down that path do to someone like me? Help you find out who you really are? And it will equip you to deal with a galaxy that doesn't play by the same rules the Federation plays by. And the best part, you don't have to cross the line if you don't want to. Sometimes it's all right to accept a loss. I can teach you how the Tal Shiar does it. That doesn't mean you need to put a disruptor in your hand, Olin. You can just learn how to read people, know what they want, and with your empathic abilities. It could be extraordinary. For my part, consider this as repayment for saving my life. And I will promise to you That when you say stop, we stop. If you don't want to go any further, we don't go any further. But I warn you, Olin, as Captain Sol has discovered, once you discover you're good at this, you won't want to stop. You'll try, and you may even make overtures that you want to, but deep down, 
there's a reason you keep getting drawn back into it. It's because it's who you really are. Think about it. You don't have to give me an answer now. I have work to do with Pagino. All you need to do right now is pretend like whatever it is you said to him, you were drunk. You were angry. You had a fight with your father. Make up whatever excuse you want, but pretend you're sorry and do it well. Deal? Good to feel useful again. And he slides back into the shadows, eerily vanishing in the corner of your eye like he was never there. This former elite agent of the Tal Shiar, you find yourself standing alone in this expansive cargo bay. Just the sounds of tools and people shouting. An entire galaxy, an economy, an activity that is happening, people going about their daily lives, completely oblivious to the conversations of power that have been taking place in the small little corner of this hangar bay, unaware of the deals that have been discussed. A former Tal Shiar agent offering to mentor you and equip you to dealing with people like Pugino. Historically, the Tal Shiar have a reputation, and there is kind of, judging from what I'm seeing, that sense of making your skin crawl. You're not entirely sure what he's going to mentor you in or what he's asking. All you know is that Tal Shiar is one of the most efficient, most brutal intelligence agencies in the galaxy, and they implant their agents with things that can kill them if they ever wander too far off the path. What could he have to teach you? It could be useful, Olin, or... This could be a moment of dangerous change in your life. It's hard to say. But I will give you this. In this moment of confusion and your questioning, you do have brief glimpses of your engagements with the Vorta and then with the Romulan ambassador. Each time you have bulldozed into an ambassadorial meeting with the truth. Each time you've walked into the room and presented the way things are to people who want to mask and navigate around the way things are and bend it to their advantage. And as a diplomat, it's put you at a disadvantage time and time again. And each time you had to go warrior to get yourself out of it. <laughs> I'll leave you with that. This Tal Shiar agent is offering to teach you a way to weaponize what you have learned in this Federation officer and what you as a Delton have as a gift. And while it would definitely bring up a lot of ethical questions, it might be the solution or not. Olin is just left standing there in the cargo bay thinking about this. This angelic-looking being completely out of place, surrounded by the workforce that is swarming around them. I don't get to have a normal day, do I? 
you become aware of somebody standing next to you, and when you instinctively glance, it's Patience, who's looking up at you with this fluffed tail just sweeping the floor of the cargo bay, staring at you like, why are we standing still so long? Just waiting obediently to find out if you're going to start moving again. Balloon sort of, like, crouches, like, squats down next to her and just kind of buries their face in Patience's fur and just kind of, like... It's one of those moments where you kind of wish the dog would just reciprocate that and just kind of lean up against your head too, but your face is there, so patience can't, has to lick, just has to, it's like, it it lasts for about a second where it's nice and calm, and then it's like, you're getting tongue in the nose, you're getting tongue on the side of your eye, and it's like... (laughs) Um... Want to go play fetch? They lift one paw the moment you, you the moment you raise the octave of your voice and they see the excitement perk up, they raise one paw and look at you. And as you move, they not watching where they're going, they just watch you as they move by your side, kind of dancing next to you as you walk out of the cargo bay. Dog is the best thing about me. That's true in all of our cases, Aki. <laughs> our dogs are the best part of us. So, which is why McCrell is about to die. Just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, the Borg shows up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, wait, okay, says, I can no, take a No, no, I no, no we don't Borg. assimilate cats. Sorry. I took a changeling. I could take a Borg. Let's go. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pick a fight with Gina here. <laughs> Roll for initiative. Here we go. All right. I mean, we all lose to the Borg. Yep, the Borg. You just killed Xander. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, Tech, you are hitting our number three in the brig, and there has been no word. You have no idea what conversation happened out there after you were dragged into this place. All you know is you were dragged away, put in the brig, the force field was activated, you were brought a dinner because now it's coming to the end of the day, and it's becoming apparent you're spending the night here. So as food has been brought to you trying his best to obey Exio's last order that he received of not showing that he's like upset or, or anything. Uh, mm. He's been standing at attention in like the back corner. Uh, and you can see there are just tears streaming down his face and there's like snot coming down his nose, but he's just like lip quivering, just standing there and he hasn't touched the meal. Okay. And that's just how he's spending his time. You know things are bad when tech doesn't go for the food. Mm. Oh no. That's quite an interpretation of my order. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not showing nothing. (laughs) So a few moments of this, when the doors of the brig open up and a figure strides into the room. Now tech, you laying down and staring straight ahead, you're not really paying attention to who's just walked in. But you do hear the voices, can I help you? And you hear a very evened, almost lyrical voice with sort of, um, you can you can hear the compassion in the voice. Just say, I brought the prisoners some food, if that's all right. We'll have to scan it. All right, you're good. Chief, you got a visitor. And I'll look up. Um, wearing deep, rich, silken, greenish robes with a lattice work of gold coursing through them, all the way up to what looks like sort of these 
uh, these sharpened shoulder pads kind of arc off the side, almost looks imperialistic looking with these long flowing sleeves that drew all the way down to almost waist level. It looks like a intergalactic kimono with a little bit of Romulan influence from the way that there's a bit of like an arc going off of the shoulders and a high back collar, which accentuates the haircut that kind of swerves off to the side, exposing that long Vulcan ear on the left side of their head. You see Solon smiling at you gently and holding a plate of food that they have cooked. Um, The force field goes and Solon steps in and says, I heard you went and got yourself into a peck of trouble. <laughs> no, I didn't do anything. Of course you didn't, sweetie. Of course you didn't. And he presses a button in this table, slides out from the wall, and Solon immediately presses another button, and the holographic chair materializes as they slide into the chair and they set down this plate of food, this bullion fare, as well as a few like pieces of fare from Earth, like you see snails from France and all these sort of like escargot and 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 like drinks and whatnot laid out. It's a bit of a feast. Mm. And Solon starts to set out silverware for both you and them. Mm. Sets it down. Says, "So, I heard you got an important message." As soon as Tech sits down, he doesn't break eye contact with Solon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like his body moves with <clears throat> him thinking, and it just starts shoveling food into his mouth, but he's still just looking at Solon with like tears in his eyes. One's uh, face is just beautiful and calm, looking at you compassionately as they're just waiting for you to talk. Doesn't react as you're shoveling the food in your mouth. Very delicately starts cutting a piece of what looks like maybe boiled carrot you're not sure i always try to be i always try to be the best version of a starfleet officer because i know that's what he would want me to be and i found out that i'm just in trouble and i think my career is over but that's okay because i deserve to be in trouble because i broke the rules but i didn't don't tell the commander that i said anything ah this is delicious someone doesn't react someone just kind of sits there and listens and nods and says yeah, I heard you got into some trouble, all right. Hey, maybe I could work at the bar. Do you want to work at the bar? I'll always take some help if you want to work at the bar. I don't know if I could show myself on the Ross anymore. I got decommissioned and fired and... That's uh, not what I heard. What am I going to tell my family? Oh, I got to go on. Solid, I need a new identity. And I look over towards the guards that are at the break... And And Solon looks you in the eye, leans over and says, yes, Tech, you do. You've been living for your brother. You've been wearing that uniform for your brother. You've been trying to behave for your brother. You do need a new identity. Because this isn't working for you. He should have lived. He should have lived. He was helping people. They should have taken me. I don't do anything. He's valuable. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve the things that I have. The position that I got, I... I'm a fraud. 
And I'm sorry. Yeah, there's not a lot you can do to get that voice to shut up. I know it well. A lot of us do. It's part of having a brain, I guess. Let me ask you something, though. You like empirical data. Yeah. Do you trust Captain Sol? Of course I do. Captain's a good captain. They've been around the galaxy. I don't know if you've heard about some of the things they've done. But they've been around. I see where you're going with this, Solon, and I'm going to stop you there. It was a favor. The captain knows me. Knows that I needed to get out there. Hmm. I'm not sure that's true, though, Chief. Let me ask you something. Knowing what you know about Captain Sull, do you think that they would risk putting somebody in charge of a ship, an experimental ship, the only one of her kind, with two warp cores? Do you think Captain Azari Sull, the first Orion captain in Starfleet, former intelligence officer, complete and total hard ass, would ever put someone in command of their ship's engineering as a favor? Well, I may just be a master of deception then. You're certainly good at tricking yourself. Mm. And Solon cuts another piece off. You're allowed to have these voices, Tech. You're allowed to feel this way. It's just not true, though. Well... I would beg to differ, considering I'm in the brig and no longer an officer, and just got fired, and I'm going to have to look for a job now. Word on the street is nothing's going to come of this. The Admiral decided to let you cool your heels in here for the next eight hours, and then you're back on the job. I suspect Captain Sol's probably going to rip you a new one, as they like to say in Starfleet. And Solon smiles as they fork another mouthful of this carrot and just stares at you kind of with this shit-eating grin on their angular, beautiful Vulcan face. And then when they take a sip of the water, they look at you again and say, you're fine. There's not a person on board the USS Rosser and Starfleet, save perhaps that tight ass out there who's wearing the red uniform, who doesn't understand what you did, Chief. Frankly, I would have done it too. Eight hours in the brig, small price to pay for finding out what you need to know. But that's the problem, Solon. Nothing happened. I didn't figure out anything. If anything, all that I did was put distrust in one of my fellow companions, Dr. McCrell. She told me what I needed to hear and it matched what I found. What's wrong with me? Why do you think there's something wrong with you? I don't know. And I don't know what's wrong with... Why can't I just accept what happened to Reiku? I don't know. Tech, I don't. It's not uncommon for us to not want to let go. I have extended family that will never speak to me. 
I'm somebody they don't understand. I don't follow the teachings. I'm somebody unique. I'm my own person. I had to let go. It wasn't easy. And even when I think I let go, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night wishing I could still talk to my mother. It's not easy. You don't have to forget people. Letting go is about taking control of your life. It's not about actually letting go. Think of it as not a retreat, but an advance in a new direction. Somebody I, said that once. Just hold it. I don't have the coordinates. Where am I going? Well, after you finish this meal, you it's get really a sense. Good, by the way, this is fantastic. It's excellent. You're damn right it is. And <laughs> takes another forkful and says, after you finish this meal, you're going to get some sleep. It's going to be hard, but you'll eventually drift off. And when you wake up, this force field's going to go down and you're going to hear Captain Soul's irritated voice demanding that you report to their quarters, I'm sure, or the ready room or wherever it is they want to dress you down. And when you get there, they're going to dress you down and it's not going to be pleasant. And when it's done, you're going to go back to the engine room and you're going to make the Ross better. And then after that, when the Ross leaves space dock, you're going to go back to the engine room and you're going to make the Ross better. One foot in front of the next, Chief Tech. One foot in front of the next. You're doing great. No Someone matter, goes back into cutting. <laughs> What's that? No matter what I do with with the mechanics of it, Solon, you always make the Ross better. Well, considering how much of my quarter space is used up for clothing, mm. I hope that's the case. Oh, you don't replicate them every time. That's fascinating. You keep everything? It's a pain, I but I have an appreciation for handcraft. So do you think you could rustle up a pillow for me, maybe? I mean, this is just a little uncomfortable on this cold bench. Sure. Thanks. Solon reaches down, and there's this whoosh, kind of like sound of silk slap, sliding through silk. And Solon pulls this robe off, revealing this very simple uh, white robe that is underneath, very comfortable. And Solon pulls it down and folds it over and folds it over and then takes the belt that he was wearing, that they were wearing, and wraps it around and ties it and hands you essentially this big silk pillow. <gasps> That's for you. It still smells great. <laughs> I got to get back to 10 forward. Just because everyone's away doesn't mean I can't leave my bar for too long. You enjoy this food. Really, thank you. Thank you. A small smile, and then Solon says, you're doing fine. Keep it up. <sighs> and he just sort of falls back into the pillow. <laughs> okay. You hear the <clears throat> as the force field reignites, and Solon strides out of the room, wearing less than they were when they came in. Um, the pillow is incredibly comfortable. It is real silk. You're not sure where it came from or what kind, but as you nestle against it, both the scent on this pillow and the smell of this 
hot food wafting through the area. Tech, it just, it is a blanket of peace in here for a second. <clears throat> and you can hear the two ensigns outside the force field. And one of them has the audacity to say, who is that? <laughs> kind of like to the other one, like, damn, like, who was that? Or like walking out the door. Um, at the wasted space, there are three flag officers sitting among the chaos of Narendra Station. Again, this place is popping with both Klingon and Federation members and civilian members moving through here. This place has become, Narendra Station is at capacity right now with all the people passing through the sector. There's a lot of promise here in the Shackleton Expanse, and so there's a lot of people that are passing through, but also, again, with the Ross that is currently docked, there's 2,000 plus crew members that have disembarked and are coming and going as they need to. So there's a lot of, there's a den of noise in here, <clears throat> but it's nice. It's like being at a, a bar that's not blasting loud music. It just has a lot of people in it. So you don't have to raise your voice too much and it's not sensory overload. It's just a lot of people. I know, Sam, I know you appreciate that. Remember the alpha parties? Oh my God. Am I giving you PSD flashback on that one? Alpha parties were just rough. Turn the music down for God's sake. What the hell? Anyway. <clears throat> Sorry. If you use sign language, you don't have to raise your voice and get hoarse the next day. It's true. It's so true. All right. Room full of lovely nerds wanting to talk and being forced to dance? I know. But I want to talk. Yeah. So, um, so the three of you are sitting at the table, and a big glass stein has just been left right in front of everybody where you see this alcohol has been poured. It looks like it is synthahol not actual alcohol, so it's not going to have the fun effects. And on the rocks, Admiral Bear pours each of you brandy. I hope you don't mind it on the rocks. That's the way I usually like to take it. I don't mind. I look taxio. The good news um, is the ice doesn't melt, so it won't lose anything. Currently, um, there, I believe I have a handful of memories encoded to certain colors of liquids. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily, this is one of the shades that has one. So, okay. so this is this is this will be just fine. It takes the admiral a moment, but she glances up at you and goes, "I didn't even think about that. I'm sorry." Luckily, our current uh, brig boy did, so. <laughs> and it means well, the one you just poured goes to me. Thank you very much. I get a double. <clears throat> Starfleet wants to promote me. Oh, what are they going to give you? Should I be offering congratulations or condolences? Admirals always seem so upset by the idea of becoming more important. Until, of course, they do. We'll see. But I will accept any ass kissing you want to give me, Saul. More than the standard that you should be giving a flag officer. Naturally. I am Naturally. not but a servant of your posterior. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Clinking of the glasses as the Admiral downs it in one shot. And she sets it down and looks around and she's like, this is what I always envisioned for Narendra Station. This is what I always wanted to see. 
it's finally happening. We're seeing the beginnings of people wanting to move out here and explore the frontiers. And the Federation is the one that's leading the way, and the Vross, along with the other starships that we have here stationed in the Quadrant. Y'all are making it happen. Doing what we can, looking forward to taking more of a look around the neighborhood, meeting more of the neighbors, perhaps. I hear things Maybe. are going well with the, the Jashashians. They are. The Jashashian people are adorable, if you don't mind me saying so. It's their greeting. I love their greeting. It's ridiculous. Don't let them ever hear... I, I didn't say that. <laughs> she smiles and says, but they're warm and they're wonderful and they are inquisitive. <sighs> My reservations are is that they should not be admitted into the Federation as quickly as they're being considered. We've only just made contact with them. This should take years, but the Federation is still reeling from the Dominion War, frankly. And new Federation members brings in new resources for the Federation. So the process is being accelerated against my explicit protests. Who's accelerating it then? The Federation Council. They believe that this is in the best interest of Starfleet. It's not just the Jashashians. First contact is moving pretty quickly these days. Federation lost a lot. A lot of infrastructure was damaged during the Dominion War. And there's a lot of people that think we can make up for it by welcoming new folks in. A lot of first contacts we made during that time we ended up neglecting. Didn't get any follow-up till after the war, so not surprising there's a little bit of rubber banding. There's a little bit of rubber banding. It's dangerous, in my opinion. It's dangerous. We're still learning about the Jashashian people. What are their ties to the Tholians? We still haven't been able to figure that out. We know that the Tholians were tied to their planet. We know that a crystalline entity was born from their homeworld. How many things are in play? We just don't know. But they have unique technologies that can tip the hand in the favor of ships that don't require cloaking devices. And provide untold avenues of scientific discovery. I have to confess, my chief science officer is delighted, not only by the charm of the Jashashians, but also by the potential subspace theory implications. Yeah, I should talk to you about that. You and Exio might be interested in hearing this. Your research and the information that you've turned over about Jashashian technology has caused a sudden storm of inspiration in Starfleet regarding propulsion. Really? Really. You see, ever since Voyager came back, people have been trying to crack the equation of a slipstream drive. The manipulation of subspace has a lot to do with that, and the research that the Shashians have turned over may have just helped us gain a few years' worth of advance on that. Pretty exciting stuff. Yes, and precisely the sort of thing we, the Federation, wouldn't want to bring into the folds too quickly. Well, even if they figure it out, we're decades away before we can implement that kind of technology. But we're decades closer now. No doubt. All I Makes can say is underestimate science and engineering of Starfleet at your own peril, Admiral. 
I've seen miracles from my crew that nothing ought to be possible. And then they go get themselves brigged. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to give him a stern talking to, Captain. I understand why he was doing what he was doing, but he's got to learn to trust that he can go through his crew to figure out what he needs to know. But if I can be so bold, I've gotten the impression from Chief Tech that he doesn't really know what the hell he's doing in Starfleet. I look to Axio. <laughs> Axio, it's kind of surprising to hear the Admiral say this. Yeah. But it kind of confirms like, wow, I guess everybody knows. <laughs> it, um, there's a certain level of imposter syndrome, I imagine, that radiates off of him. Um, especially right now. Um, I think you could pick it up on long-range sensors, quite frankly. <laughs> You should have um, seen me when I first got my Admiral Bar. I was I was certain Starfleet made a mistake. That first week, I seriously considered handing it back and resigning. You? I mm-hmm. can't imagine you being anything but an Admiral, forgive my saying. <laughs> I imagine you came into the world that way. Just popped out of the womb with the Admiral Bars on? I mean, I don't know how it works when you humans. That's fair. <laughs> no, I wanted to quit. I was no longer in command of a starship, Captain. I was in command of 12 starships. And then I was assigned to Narendra Station in command to an entire sector, an unknown sector with three Federation starships under my control and one incoming. You guys. Let me tell you something. The USS Ross, that is a ship the Federation Council takes a lot of interest in, not only because of your exploits, but because she's one of her kind. She's the grand experiment. And I'm the admiral that can't be responsible for breaking her. We appreciate that and the sensor package. Well, anything I can do to help there. I don't know how much more technology we can pack onto the Ross, though. Pretty soon we're going to have to start strapping things to the sides of the nacelles. Oh, I'm sure we have a couple attachment points we haven't taken advantage of yet. Keep, please, keep them coming. The best things about this ship are the new, exciting, the untested. They've brought us the most success so far. There's clink Exio's glass a little bit. Exio, as the glass clinks and you're smiling at the captain, you see a notification pop up on your data pad. Hmm. Uh, all right. Um, the clink sort of snaps me out of um i know i know what the captain was saying and i my brain is sort of definitely i have a different reason why i know that our ship is miraculous <laughs> and 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 then what's what's the notification because i was in the middle of my brandy memory um so yes true to his tone there is a long apology disclaimer before it finally gets to the fucking point exio sorry i know this is like your time off and i know you probably should be doing something else right now and i don't want to bug you but um if it's cool if you are available is this um, friend yes it says it'd be great if i could talk to you maybe like right now 
Um, I, uh, look to my comrades and, uh, give one final, um, it seems my staycation is at an end for the night. You leaving us, Exio? Yes. Um, well, I can't finish yours. That's on you. Yes. I, uh, Please, please continue praising our ship as I go tend to the parts that I keep working. And, uh, I leave. Transitioning out of the hollow projectors here in the Waste of Space, you move into the main corridor and head towards the transporter pad. Uh, the Admiral watches her leave and shakes her head and says, five years ago, the technology for her to even exist wasn't here yet. It is incredible how fast things move. Imagine a galaxy without Commander Exio. Five years. It's incredible. When I watch her drink out of that glass, it just... It's incredible. Imagine making Commander in five years of your life. She is remarkable. She's a remarkable officer. I'm the best I've ever served with. Controversy over her assignment to the Ross has not gone away. Good for them. Some of the people who don't agree with the assignment are on the council, Captain. Well, I don't care if it's someone on the promenade in the station in the middle of nowhere or the president of the Federation. You'd be if they surprised. Feel he's controversial, they're wrong. You'd be surprised at some of the people that have come to her defense, though. This is all in the Federation News Network back at home. <clears throat> what are they? Pretty much anybody who's had a hand in the development or the maintaining of AI has stepped forward and said a thing or two on Exio's behalf. Hmm. Not just the doctor, the famous doctor. <clears throat> Captain of the USS Titan stepped forward recently. I didn't know the captain was acquainted. He's not, but he apparently is very opinionated about AI and its incorporation into Starfleet. Passionately believes that XCO has every right to serve in the position that she does. Probably something to do with the fact that he has been involved in at least one trial that I know of about synthetic rights. Well then I think he has every right to continue being Captain Titan. Clearly understands the caliber of a good officer. Let me get serious with you for a second, though. She sets the glass down and leans in and says, what the Ross is doing is great work, Captain. You and your crew are doing great work. You're the pride of the fleet out here at Narendra Station. But the scrutiny never ends. And despite all of your achievements, there are members on the council that just want to see XCO fuck up once. Just once. It's not fair. It's bullshit. And we're being very loud about it. I don't want to put too much pressure on your shoulders, but I do want to let you know what's at stake. 
I'm the first Orion captain. I understand what it means to be an example. Anyone does, I knew it would be you. <clears throat> and she never will. But <clears throat> captain, I have no I'm not looking for an actual mistake, Captain. I'm looking for them to come up with a reason to think that she made a mistake. That's where I come in. And I will do what I can to protect the Ross. Remember, you all have friends in high places, too. It's not like they're coming for you. They're just looking for a reason to come for you. And we're not going to give them that reason. Of course not. Mm. They want to get to my commander. They have to come directly and, frankly, bodily through me. And Sol sits back into their chair and just <clears throat> looks very tall. Okay. You, of course, are dramatically taller than the Admiral. She glances up at you and offers her glass to clank. I'm not giving them that chance. <laughs> All right. Exio, when you arrive at Vryn's quarters and the doors open, there's sort of this immediate like, whoa, what the? Because you see Vren is just wearing a tank top and the dress bottoms, but he looks rough. His hair is kind of disheveled and his eyes are sunken. He looks exhausted. And when he sees you at the door, he goes, Commander, yeah. Um, uh, did I call you? Yes. Uh, I step, may I come in? Yeah, come on in. Uh, yeah, let me. I need to clean up. It's been. Sorry. Um, oh God, look at this mess. And literally, the only thing Exio that's out of place is his duty jacket, which is slumped over a chair. And he goes, "I'm sorry. This is this is embarrassing." And he picks it up and he folds it, and he sets it down at the foot of a well-made bed. He goes, "There, that's better." Um, um, I gesture to my apparel and I say, uh. Would you like this to be a session, or do you want to talk uh, to yeah, me as yeah. your commander? Oh, I didn't let you finish. Um, That's all right. Was um, it better than the first thing you were saying? Because the first thing sounded perfect. Uh, I I go into the blues. He goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a color I'm familiar with. Joke. Would you like to have a seat? Yep. And he sits down. He slides into the chair and, and he rubs his face. Um, May I sit down? Yeah, please. Uh, oh, can I get you anything? Do you want anything to uh, not drink? <laughs> um, I laugh at his joke. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm, uh, I, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Um, That's all right. I'm glad you called today. Uh... Um, so I, I had to rehearse this because I didn't want to just, I didn't want to wing it, you know, cause I knew I wouldn't say anything if I was going to wing it. So I had to like, um, I went through a couple of drafts actually pulls up a data pad and he's like, I, I'm not a good writer. I'm a good pilot. Please, please read it for me. Okay. Um, uh, Hey, cat. Um, Hey, Exio. Uh, I need to talk to you. Um, if it's okay for a sec, if I can just vent a little bit, uh, yeah, this is, I was really gonna, I was originally gonna tell the cat this <laughs> and, That's and right. uh, you two are close, right? 
It's yeah, normal yeah, yeah. to want to tell your friends things that are bothering you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the cat's got a lot on her mind, you know? She deals with a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff the cat doesn't like to say, and I always feel like she, she it would be bad to, like, burden her, you know? So, um... What do you think is so heavy that will burden a very fierce and mighty friend? Um, I... I think it's it's a lot to do with, uh, I've just been stupid. I've just been really stupid, you know, and, and it's really, um, I'm sorry, the counselor thing means I can tell you stuff that, that Commander Exio is not going to be like, well, you told me this about an hour ago, so I've got to court-martial you. Um, please don't say something that would make you court-martialed, but no, I am not your commander right now. You, you, this is a session. Okay. This... You believe me, it has been quite a day of your information is safe. You can share with me, please. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how much stuff comes up when you actually stop moving around a little bit, you know? When you stop, you know, trying to keep busy and I just point at the stripe in my hair. I know. What are you pointing at? I... Oh, you have a stripe! Oh, that's new! <laughs> that looks good! Really? That looks really good! Well, thank you. Are you gonna keep that? I'm not sure yet. I... You know... It's fun to experiment. It's fun to try new things. I've never changed the way I looked ever, so... It was, it's nice to try it on. Yeah, it looks good. This isn't about me, though I appreciate the compliment. What? Um, Let me ask you something. How about... Yeah. So I hear that you don't think you can write. Um, I can't. I mean, I look at this and I'm like... <laughs> Here, put, put, put the data pad down. Okay. And um, I'm going to run an experiment with you. Sure. So... Not everyone is good at expressing themselves in the same way. Right. Some people express themselves through music or, or dance or they're incredible pilots. So maybe you're having a hard time expressing your th feelings through an art form that you're not particularly skilled at at the moment. You're good at flying. Wow. So you, oh, that, that wasn't quite the full thing, but I'm glad a light bulb's going on. Wow, um, you are good at this. I... <laughs> oh my, that's why. Well, oh wow, oh wow. What? What are my antenna doing right now? <laughs> They're, They're just very perky. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. Look at anyway. Yeah, that's. Um, wow. Can you walk me through what's going on? Oh, better okay. yet. How about you fly me through what's going on? Pretend that your mindscape at the moment is a field that you have to fly through. And I'm um, at the other side. Please guide me. I have uh, been spending a lot of time on the holodeck. Yes. Like a lot of time, Commander. Like, okay. Like a lot like a lot of time on the holodeck. 
like I barely my quarters are this clean for a reason okay like a lot of time can I um, ask what activity you're doing I'm flying okay all the time I'm always flight simulators um uh logging as, as many hours as I can on, on uh, small shuttlecrafts, uh, peregrine fighters, which, you know, I always wanted to fly one of those. They never let me fly one. Okay. But mostly I, I go back to the, the thing that I did during the war that wasn't great. Um, what do you think wasn't so great? I killed 30 people <laughs> and his head drops suddenly. Okay. And he puts his head in his hands. Like the moment he says it, it's clearly the first time he has said it out loud. Yeah. And he puts his head in his hands and, and you hear the exhale as he collects and he comes up and just goes, it wasn't my fault. I know that I'm not like putting it on myself. Um, we were, it was a combat drop. We were, we were, I was, it was, it was a, a dual mission. It was, it was Klingons and Federation strike team. And uh, going through the nebula, everything was going as planned. <laughs> Nothing goes as planned. And um, uh, I was playing it safe. You know, that's what you do, especially when uh, a nebula, you know, um, I'm good at nebulas. Like I, I can, I'm good at pathfinding, you know? It's like one of the things I do really well as a pilot, I think. Um, but <laughs> the, the, the Dominion does not play fair. They don't play fair. They use lots of stuff, right? And so um, so we got hit, and it was a mine that, that hit the side of the shuttle. And uh, I I landed us where we were trying to get, which was... Um, this is classified, by the way, so I don't know how much in trouble I could get into. I'm sure it doesn't matter anymore. This is years ago. It doesn't exist anymore. But um, yeah, uh, I tried to set her down easy, and um, I didn't. I didn't factor in the movement of the asteroid when I was plotting the landing, and so we impacted really hard, and I was the only one on my shuttle that survived. Which, you know, the, the flip side to that is, is when the Klingons crash landed, their pilot didn't survive. So I was able to get them all out once the mission was complete. But, um, we, but we, lost, we lost a lot of people. Um, it, was, uh, it wasn't just me. I was leading point. So when I went down, um, the shuttlecraft that were behind me were slaved to my uh, console. I could tell you the technical aspects of why we were doing something that dangerous, but it had something to do with countermeasures and trying to be sneaky. And anyway, so um, so the two shuttles behind us collided with the asteroid, and everyone was killed on impact. Um, I, I killed thirty people, and so I, I like to to fly. You know, when when I'm not at the helm. I don't like it when I'm not flying. Friend? Yeah? 
Just take a second. <clears throat> okay. How many times have you said what you said to me? Out loud and not over and over in your head. How many times have you had a counseling session since that day? Oh, it's been, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, a lot. A lot. I think I think Holodeck would probably show that it was a lot. <laughs> but, you know, I'm talking to you now. It's a good time to, like, reconnect, you know, and, uh, and talk about this stuff. So, anyway, yes. I, I, I was okay and I was doing fine. But the, the truth of the matter is, is um, I think my body's starting to fall apart. <laughs> so, and I don't want them to take the Ross away from me. Friend, you have been an exemplary pilot aboard this ship. No one is going to be taking your position away from you. And I don't know a man ha I don't know how many times you've heard this, but it obviously was not your fault. However, you are not a perfect pilot and no one in the Federation is expecting you to be. Yeah. You did not, you did not get, you did not get to grieve this properly. And I'm very sorry for that. Yeah. And what I'm about to say probably won't feel very good. Okay, I'm ready. This is what I was ready for. Give it to me. Like, what, what do you got? I'm recommending that you take a week off. Yeah, that did it. That was, that sucked. Yeah. I'm not taking the Ross away from you, and I want you to bury that deep in your mind when your voices start telling you that I did. Okay. It is a week. And I'm also going to be banning that program for a minute. <sighs> okay. Good idea. Um, yeah, too much of that. And I don't want to... I think you you obviously know... <sighs> it's going to hurt. He starts it's... to bend over a little bit and just kind of... Yeah. <sighs> this it's is like going to hurt. My mind knows what you're saying makes sense, and then but my body's doing the whole, no, don't do that. I know, and I'm... It is okay if you make me the villain for a few days. Okay. But you need to heal and... <clears throat> and I don't know if it helps, but... I don't judge you. What you have said to me did not shock me. It is... I have never experienced anything close to what you and many aboard this ship have gone through. And I will not pretend to know what all of you are feeling. It is my job to help you understand it. But I want you to know that I truly never will. So me telling you to just buck up and take a week off, I know, feels incredibly incredibly naive because it is but we have to start somewhere 
And right now, your body needs rest. So what do I do? Feel it. Okay. <laughs> and I do suggest you talk with your friend. Okay. Okay. I am so tired. I know. If you want, we can do a sleep study. What is that? I can, uh, with the assistance of Dr. McCrell, aid you in sleep. We can do some exercises in case you have nightmares. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I actually, I recommended a book to Lacat and my you might like it too. Okay. Um, this may not be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the protocol is. Is it okay if I hug you? <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. And he moves over to you, Exio, and. The Andorian leans up against you, and it's not so much of a hug as he just kind of sinks into you. He actually folds his arms close and onto his chest and leans in, and it's more of you hugging him, and he stands there. I guide him back onto sort of where he was sitting. I, was mm -hmm. it the edge of his bed? Uh, it was on the sort of the sofa when you walk in. Okay. Um, uh, I will guide him back to the sofa and... Uh, my intention is to hold him until he falls asleep. Uh, I will, I, the rest of this session is, we still have quite a long session, um, is to let him, if he cries, if he, whatever, whatever, I will probably sit here until he falls asleep. It takes maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. The moment he slides into your arms and you hold him there for a second, you think he might be getting ready to crack until you begin to feel the relaxation and then the unmistakable sounds of the breath slowing and the shoulders rising and falling. This might be the first time Vren has slept. Yeah. Maybe since the war. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Ooh. I don't leave. Okay. I'm gonna hold him. Um, when I recognize that he is in a state where movement probably won't wake him up, um, I'll lay him down on the couch, get pillows, put a blanket over him, um, and I grab his closest data pad, I download a handful of literature, and I leave it on sort of the coffee table in front of him 
Okay. And I turn out his light and I go back to my room. And I don't blip. I walk very slowly back to my room. Feeling the movement as you pass through the corridors. The occasional crew member who's stepping out from doing their min minimal duty here on the Ross, nodding to you, Commander, as they walk by. Everyone on this ship has a story. Every Ox crew member that moves past you, XCO, this week has told you more than anything that if nothing else, deep down, we're all a collection of stories. And as you move into the turbo lift and as it closes, you start heading back to your quarters. Um, I try, yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, what were you gonna say? Uh, I, yeah, with all of that running through, um, I try to smile at every single, every single person I go past as presently as I possibly can, because right now I'm feeling quite haunted by everyone's pasts. And in a, in an okay way, in a, yeah, like you said, like this, what I've been thinking about all day, this ship is full of people who no one will ever fully understand, but they're the heartbeat. And, and I go back to my quarters and I pull up the data pad. Um, and I'm going to read the report that, um, that tech was trying to access. Um, because if he's going to be my patient, I'm going to need to know a little bit more about his story. As you're pulling it up, XEO, something clicks following that train of thought as you move on to studying for tech. Something you said to yourself earlier today when you were looking yourself in the mirror. And it's not just you, you realize everyone's a galaxy. Yeah. If you can try to picture the a music montage, as it were, as we, as we visit the different versions of uh, different people on the ship, as we see the engineering teams and, and Dr. Maroney working with Ox crew as they start to install some of the technology. We can see Olin Marjanil by themselves on the promenade, alone on the promenade on the USS Ross, looking at personnel files of Ambassador Pagino and the observational personnel files made by Commander Exio about Sorex. Almost like they're weighing a hefty decision in front of them. We can see mysteriously in the chief medical officer's quarters, Dr. McCrell claws folded over one each other as your hand, your paws just kind of folded up in front of you. And you're staring at the screen as you're debating on accepting the invitation to your, to your award. Your paw has been hovering over the no. And gently you summon the will to click yes. Leaning back, you see the RSVP has been accepted. The award ceremony will be held in one week and you'll be notified if you've won the Carrington Award. But McCrell, 
you're not sure how good this award would feel if you won it. And it's on your shoulders as you're staring at this. The captain is currently in wasted space, perhaps looking at their future, sitting across from an admiral who is clinking glasses with them and sharing stories of what it was like transitioning from captain to being a flag officer, what it was to leave the center chair and how everyone tells you don't ever leave the center chair. But the Admiral lets you in on a little secret of the rewards of empowering captains to do a job on behalf of the Federation and how good it feels to move those pieces around the board and bringing people in the galaxy together. You get the impression, Captain, that the Admiral definitely misses that center chair. But you also get the impression she wouldn't give this up for anything. And we close with Chief Tech waking up on the bed to an Andorian ensign, his ensign Dari, with a smile on her face and a data pad in her hand. As the force field comes down, she says, time to get back work to work, time to get back to work, Chief. And she hands you the data pad. Here's an update on everything that we've been doing since you decided to get a hotel room and slack off the job, sir. Tech takes a moment and looks down at the data pad and then looks down at the silk pillow and sort of puts it under his arm. Mm -hmm. Let's get to work. And as you and Dari walk out, she glances at you before the doors close and she says, why does your brig smell so good? And it closes. The last thing we're gonna see before we end for the night is during all of this, Jane LeCat has been in her quarters. And in front of her, she is holding a small device, a relic that she discovered. She holds it up to the starlight just outside the window. This coin-sized relic that she's been trying to crack, to try to understand. In the center is this deep blood red gem, but it's not actually a stone. It is an incredible amount of latticework of silica pathways that have formed into what looks like a congealed precious rock at the center of this metal coin. And she holds it up and stares at it curiously. This thing that captured the sensors of the USS Ross. And that is where we are going to wrap up tonight's episode of Clear Skies. What does that mean? Yes, indeed. Yeah, that was something else that you missed in the last episode. So the cat basically because she had com- she had control of the ship in that bridge scene. Gina. Yeah. The cat decided. You know what? No one's gonna know. So she ran a sensor sweep, and I had her roll on a difficulty five, and she nailed it and detected an anomalous energy reading that didn't match any energy pattern she'd ever seen before. She tracked it to the promenade on Narendra Station and encountered a Ferengi salesman who sold her two very large pairs of testicles and this (laughs) coin. It was one pair, right? How many balls are on my ship? Uh, Oh yeah, it was one pair, I'm sorry. And a a really cute pet, new pet too. Yes. A new pet? 
Yeah, oh, she yes. has two now. She has a new pet. What? And if you want to know what it looks like, because I totally ripped this off, it looks like the little animal in Flight of the Navigator. Oh my goodness. Yep, that one. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about? Yes. Nope, it's that guy. <laughs> you put LaCat in the center chair for one episode and look at all of this magnificence. <laughs> so that's actually going to be our final episode of Clear Skies for the month of October. All right. Yeah. So you guys didn't get a Halloween episode. You're welcome. I didn't send Xenomorphs or anything after y'all. Next week is going to be Blood of the Void. We're going to find out. After them? We're going to, well, we're going to find out what has happened because Sorex has been let loose now to go do the thing. That's going to have implications on what happens next in Blood of the Void. So stay tuned. Um, thank you so much for joining us for what has been a very emotional night here on Clear Skies. I want to thank my stream punks for giving us, for, for having the courage to be emotionally vulnerable in your role-playing sessions in front of an audience. It is one of the most terrifying and most wonderful, rewarding things as a storyteller, and I cannot thank you enough. It's why I refuse to surrender you guys. I don't give a damn. Every show I was ever offered at GNS and everything I do afterwards, I refuse to surrender you guys. Thank you so much for tonight's game. It was fantastic. And thank you for always hitting us in the field every time. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, and thank you, Ox Crew, as always, for coming along with us on the journey. We will see you next Monday night. Until then, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>